the conqueror. No, I'm Alexander. He's no Alexander. I'm the best ever. There's never been anybody exclusive. I'm Sonny Liston. I'm Jack Dempsey. There's no one like me. I'm from their club. There's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat your children. It was just banter. Stay off the weed. And England win on penalties. History in itself. You know, I think it's a great city. I think they got the best organization in the NBA. But they do have some big old wins. I'm here with the winner, Derek Lewis. Derek, why don't you take your pants off? Balls are fun. I understand. Come on, take it quickly, Reggie! Yes, good match. No money's in the fucking reserves. Listen, I ain't gonna forget about this by the time we get back. Hello and welcome to episode 259 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett. Alex Jones and Jack Harper. I did say it was episode 259 last week, but was a bit all over the shop during our intro last week. So last week was 258. This is 259. And if you need to, if you need it explained next week, we'll be 260. Um, a bit to get into this week. We're going to talk pundits. We're going to talk about United appointing Ralph Rangnick as their interim manager. We're going to talk about the boxing that took place this weekend. And the minimal news of the week that we do have. Um, didn't get to hear too much, um, whether it was a fault of me or not, uh, from Alex and Jack last week. So if that's what you like to hear, you'll be hearing a lot more from them this week. Or if it's not, then uh, this isn't going to be the episode for you. <laughs> news of the week, though, a minimal five headlines this week. Um, and we will kick off in North Korea, where... They have banned leather coats to stop citizens from copying leaders, their leader's iconic look. <laughs> I don't I mean, I, I do rate it in a weird way because... I was going to say, if you were a dictator, I feel like... I was going to say, if you were in this position, I feel like you'd, you'd do the same. I mean, I don't I think... really think I have that much of an iconic look like a football a football shirt and me boxer shorts <laughs> hey that's, <laughs> that is yours that is yours own that um yeah it's not quite his uh i mean he's got a hairstyle going on he's got the leather jacket now which is quite a dictatorial look so i can see where he's coming from i think north koreans have more to worry about and <laughs> yeah. more, more to spend money on than buying leather coats. Yeah, on the list of things um, that are issues, uh, that's probably not very high up. Yeah. Um, a passenger claims he saw a woman breastfeeding her cat on board a flight last week. <laughs> this has since been reported and um, proven to be accurate. So whether the, the scientific way was working in there was any breastfeeding going on remains to be seen, but that was certainly what was being attempted on the plane. Um, Green MP Julie Ann Genta rode her bike to hospital during labour at 2am and then gave birth to a baby girl. What trooper? 
Imagine seeing that. <laughs> You'd think you were seeing things. If you were drunk, if that was a Friday night or something, and you saw a woman like that with a belly on her cycling down the street at 2am, uh, you'd assume you'd seen things. Dripping. Green, <laughs> Green MP, I mean, fair play. When I was telling this at work, um, I did say that she had issues with the baby nearly getting caught in the wheels, and there was a genuine moment where the person asked if I was being serious or not. <laughs> I said it was dangling my cord. <laughs> God's sake. You're grim. <laughs> um, man who posed with a plastic crocodile learnt the hard way that it was actually alive. And uh, finally, dozens were stuck in a British pub with an Oasis cover band for three days after a storm. I think as an experience, you're either going to really, like, you're going to love Oasis or come away from it absolutely never wanted to hear an Oasis song again. I think you could be the biggest Oasis fan in the world, and that's still going to be horrific. I also, when most people have seen this story, go on, TK. I was about to say, I mean, you, that'd be if you're stuck with actual Oasis. You're stuck with a tribute band. You don't even know how good the tribute <laughs> band is. It could be a terrible Ooh. tribute band. Also, I like that when most people are um, like envisaging this, the Oasis band is like playing for three days straight. Like on these they have to carry on playing. <laughs> <them. Yeah. laughs> Just to keep everyone entertained, they're doing this juicy for the pub. There's no downtime at all. <laughs> I, I've been to that pub where it happened, where, where this has happened. I've been to it. Why, miss? Is, is this like when there's a terror attack and someone says, you know, I was there for years ago walking down that strip? That could have been me. No, no, no. no. <laughs> it was it, it, I went on it, kids' holidays, well, holidays up to Yorkshire, and that's it's like the highest pub in the world. It's like the highest pub in the UK. So we, it was like a oh. end of walk destination. I see. I still got stuck in there, so... Yeah. Well, anyway, they got happened. stuck in was they got stuck in there with snow. It's on the highest pub in the country. It was going to happen. <laughs> Poor planning, really. That is your news of the week. So usually, when I say there's not much, there's still like someone pulled a fish out of their belly button or something. This week, quite a quite a down week. We've got no very horny man. Very little stuff at people's that. anuses this week. Yeah, which is a real shame. People are getting themselves set for Christmas. It's that time of year. Yeah, for Christmas. Was the Scotch egg? Was the Scotch egg story a Christmas one? That was that was years ago. That was when we were still doing the pod in my kitchen. I it's know, but was it like, festive? So it's a oh, feel good story. I was going to say it's a Christmas miracle that that Scotch egg maintained its Can oh. you remember the headline of the year for 2020? Oh. The man who's been masturbating in his truck that was uh, claimed he was playing the air drums. <laughs> oh, God. I, I know my pick for headline of the year 2021, but uh, we'll have that in a couple of weeks. Um, Cineworld replying to me eight hours after I sent them a question. Customer service these days. Anyway, Spurs fans were embarrassed doubly on uh, Thursday night. First by their team and secondly by Jamie O'Hara being the face of their club on punditry duties. Um, Jamie made 34 appearances for the club between 2005 and 2011, and yet is mostly known for dating Danielle Lloyd, which uh, isn't great 
because that doesn't narrow you down as a footballer too much. But uh, <laughs> he is rightly proud of playing for them as they were the high point of his professional career. Spurs fans, though, will question why he, he somehow has become the guy. He started with talk sport, he's kind of been doing the rounds, and he's the guy that gets wheeled out these days to be kind of the Spurs face when it comes to broadcasting. The question here, though, is who you would choose to be representing your club in a Super Sunday scenario. So two or three will kind of go through here. Uh, men or women from your club in the studio for that 4.30 kickoff is the scenario that I'm envisaging. Just to ensure everyone kind of properly understands here, Liverpool fans, we assume, are very happy to be repped by Jamie Carragher, but less so by Steve McManaman. Happy with Peter Crouch, less happy with Danny Murphy. So, Alex, if we start with you here, you're the man in charge at Sky. You're saying, these are the people I want representing Tottenham Hotspur, 4.30 on a Sunday. Would Jimmy O'Hara be representing the club if you had your way? Uh, no. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think I'd rather have Danielle Lloyd on the... <laughs> I've got a kind of list of the, the Spurs affiliated pundits, at least the ones that came to memory. Uh, you've got, I mean, you've got Crouchy in there, of course. He might cross over into the Liverpool section as well, um, although they have more to pick from. Uh, Jamie Redknapp, Jermaine Genus, uh, maybe you want Gary Lineker in the hot seat there. Harry Redknapp, Glenn Hoddle. Um, and any more that you can think of. I know uh, Michael Dawson and Ledley King get wheeled out every so often. Um, if we go through that list, um, Crouchy, I think, we'll, we'll save there because... Um... I feel like he's been around He's been around a lot of clubs, so it's kind of hard to narrow him down as... as Do you not think you've got less to pick from? Liverpool have got some more charming guys there. Yeah, like a lot of our... <laughs> A lot of our, uh, a lot of our best of the best players that we've had, or iconic players, are not. How how could I put this? Not in pundit shape. Well, <laughs> part of the up. reason I said kind of the the four thirty Super Sunday slot is, um, for example, when we get to Arsenal, I don't think you're wheeling out Ray Parler every week because I think after a while, you might want a bit more than him telling the Colo Torre training story. <laughs> <laughs> telling you how many Jaegers he had last night exactly like something a bit more rather than just kind of the personality which is good every so often I think that's what talks for and those kind of shows are for we're talking here as a pundit that's kind of doing the business as a whole um, I don't know what your thoughts are on Jamie Redknapp he's uh, he's alright I mean obviously he's an ent- he can be quite entertaining to watch but he's not He's not the cent- He's not the focal point for that entertainment. He kind of like bounces off. So like, I've, I don't know if you guys watch the League of Their Own. He's not the instigator of all the funny content for that. He's kind of just like the complement to it. And I kind of think his punditry is a little bit the same. Like he's not. It. He's he never the bride. Substance. Yeah, yeah. He's been involved in some is. great moments. He has. He, he has smashing. been. He has been, but I don't think he's always been the ones to instigate it. It's a bit hard to say. I mean, I, I like him. I like him for sure. 
I'm just like kind of like talking like I want to be in a relationship with him. Is that, you so could do I, a lot worse. I, you could do uh, a lot not worse. everyone there is. You don't want everyone to be a, a clown. Don't you want everyone to be the show though. Some people you so need not, in there. Not at all. Not at all. I, I think you need a straight mask. He's a respect. Yeah, he's a respectable choice, and I would I would be happy with him representing Tottenham as a as a so club. I on that, disagree with that. Do you reckon? Well, do you know, he was involved in the did, did you smash it? <laughs> yeah, but he he was uh, they he was the much, calm. He was trying to uh, he's trying to keep a lid on it, wasn't it? Keezy just kept going at it. <laughs> yeah, you got sued by his um, girlfriend after that. And Rich, Richard Keys said, um, "Yes, I said it, but what you can understand is Jamie actually brought that fa- that phrase into the studio." <laughs> <laughs> what a snake! He said, he said, told the athletic, um, I wish I'd registered smash it, but it wasn't my phrase. It was a phrase brought to Sky by Jamie Redknapp. I'd never heard it. The conversation <laughs> he and I were having that night, I won't tell you any more than that, but he's that's, the one that brought it in. That's so outrageous. Like, uh, Easy was blushing. Uh, I can't believe what Redknapp was coming out with. <laughs> never heard language like it. Uh, it, it really is a shame with Richard Keyes because I think if you just... I mean, it sounds bad, but... He's had some classic moments, but the more you the more you hear from him, all I think of him is is, is hairy hands these days. I don't, I don't think of him for much more. I don't really think of him and Andy Gray as like a classic duo. I just think of him a bickering with Carragher. He bears a, a striking resemblance to Hasbulla as well, doesn't he? That picture absolutely <laughs> killed me. Absolutely, killed. I feel old yet. Thing, oh, absolutely murdered me. Jamie Redknapp. The, the highlights he's had recently was. I think he needs someone to kind of get him going. He had that his game, you've got to give him that, his game. Yeah, he had it. Was it, it wasn't with Jose, was it? It was with Keane about Jose's Spurs. When yeah. uh, Keane was saying Reggion wasn't world-class. Amongst other things, yeah. Yeah. What about Harry Redknapp? He's been quite good value when he's been on BT previously. Yeah, like, I definitely, I'd rather have Harry over Jamie um, just because I feel like Harry's maybe got a little bit more of an interesting twist in some of the stories that he could tell. Um, he just sort of seems a little bit more. I don't know. He's that guy who, you know, he rolls Little up stories. Like, we want some. We want some breaking road, down of the game. Yeah, yeah, but he's got. Are either of them giving you that? Well, this is this is the well, what we want to get with our with our team. Harry's giving him that more than Jamie, I think. Is. Is Glenn Hoddle making making your uh, punditry team? Nah, he's never really done it for me. Because he's probably the most analytical of the ones mentioned so far. For health reasons as well, I probably wouldn't want him in the in that line. Just he's one he, of your legends. Be, he needs he needs to be resting these days. What about Jermaine Genus? I've you know I've never liked Jermaine Genus, so the answer's no. You can jog on. Most people do you like? Oh, not Jermaine Genus. The covers are better. I feel like your team here, if, if, if Michael Dawson or Ledley King's in there, it's going to be a quiet Super Sunday. No, no, no. Uh, so I'm, I'm surprised you, you're talking quite a few more recent guys that have been involved. Um, there's, I've seen a few good segments with uh, David G in there. I had, a, I had a weird feeling you were going to see him for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, but definitely. I think I'm celebrity, isn't it? <laughs> he's going to be a bit above Super Sunday yeah. when he comes out. 
but yeah, he is. Uh, I, I feel like I'd like to have him. I have him on punditry, and he's. Uh, I'm definitely glad that he is. Uh, he was a Tottenham player for sure. Um, I feel like he's got it in him to be quite incisive, um, be be quite intuitive and um, quite knowledgeable, but also quite also quite passionate as well. Um, I, I, I don't know. I reckon you could get him. He'd be quite entertaining at the right moment. I'd like to see him sit across from uh, Roy Keane on a uh, on a uh, scrutinising match of Spurs. Keen is a Keen is a childhood Spurs fan, I believe. Yes, he is. Yeah, so that would be quite an interesting, uh, interesting face-off. But yeah, he'd he'd make my punditry. Interesting that interesting you don't want to put Glenn for it for health reasons, but David Ginola is fine. <laughs> then he died not so long ago. <laughs> do you think Gary Lineker can do the punditry duty? Not the hosting. It's weird because It'd be interesting that wouldn't it, 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 it's after seeing him hosting for the England matches for so long. I mean, don't get me wrong; it, it, it's hard to sort of see him in in a pundit role versus a hosting role now. I, I, I'm really struggling to see it. If that makes sense, like I can't, I can't picture him being, you know, scrutinising. I can't picture him sometimes saying what needs to be said. I'm not even sure I can visualise him breaking down the game beyond a script that he's been handed. It, I, I, it sounds strange, but I, I, it's almost like, you know, when you get like a, you know, when uh, in the old days when Simon Cowell was on the X Factor and he, he'd marked down like um, uh, entertainment singers, even though they've got a crack cracking voice on when they came on the show. It's a bit like that. He's, you know, he's become a bit of an entertainment, like an entertaining singer, but he's not like got that raw talent to be a pundit, if that makes sense. I think the power would go to Lineker's head. Yeah. You get excited. I think you could draw him out pretty easily. Do you reckon? If you're in the, yeah. He's more than happy to fight on Twitter, isn't he? That's what I mean. Yeah, I think he'd get carried away. The power would yeah. go to him. I don't know who Alex wants to take in the end here. Everyone else, obviously, uh, jump in. You've got to go, I think, with uh, Van der Vaart, surely. Have you seen his recent stuff? I have, yeah. Essentially, um, if we have any sort of pause, if it gets a bit <laughs> awkward, we can go, Rafa, what's your thoughts on Harry Maguire? And he can just entertain us for the afternoon. <laughs> he doesn't have to put a, what's his name, uh, Dave Jones, cutting him off saying apologies. Imagine how many no, times no, you have to apologise for Van der Vaart. <laughs> he says shit again, I know. Like, go on. Go on, we got a few minutes. <laughs> he, he, he's a he's a darts boy now, isn't he? He's been doing punditry over in Holland. Yeah, but Holland didn't he do, didn't he do some darts to an elite uh, decent standard? Yeah, he's, he's he can multitask. Well, decent standards, interesting. But yeah, I mean John Park does the darts. He's he still uh, plays it as well. He's got plenty of time on their hands. Uh, Raphael van der Vaart did make my uh, did make my shortlist for sure. Is um, he's definitely probably the the most recent Spurs player that I'd have in there. But, um, have him alongside. If we're having like a team of three, having a couple of them in there, I'd have three. Rafael oh, van der Vaart, uh, Rafael van der Vaart, uh, David G, and I'm surprised we haven't mentioned Robbie Keane yet. Well, I don't know if I'm mentioning him. I mean, I, mean I, I haven't. I can't think of any memorable punditry uh, performances from. Uh, Robbie Keane, um, but I'd like to throw him in there just for a bit of Irish fire if he's got it in him. 
that his his credentials his credentials are um as a as a as a representative of Spurs over the years are uh, more than enough there. Um, so I mean, who who am I missing off? Who who am I missing off that you think should be in there? Genus. Yeah, but I sort of said Crouchy for sure is a great shout, particularly with what we've seen him do on his podcast. Um, who else have you said? Glenn Odell, Harry Redknapp. Yeah, I just wouldn't. I just wouldn't have them. I wouldn't have them. David Ginola over over them. Yeah, why not? They literally teed it up to Ginola the other week to speak about the. Uh, Heart attack in the Newcastle game, and he wasn't that interesting then. <laughs> do you not? Do you, do you not see his uh, passionate, passionate interview about? Uh, I'm not uh, watching. I'm a celebrity. Okay. Uh, if you can call it about this, you know, I'm I, not. I thought, I thought I'd be moaning. Yeah, you're not watching it. There's no other reason you've jumped straight to him this week. You've definitely been watching that. In all honesty, him, in all honesty, I've not watched it. I don't. I don't have a clue what's going on in there at the moment. For one, the fact that it's not even in the jungle anymore. I mean, I wasn't watching it when it was in the jungle, but essentially, here's a couple of gold medalists that you've never heard of, but I promise you, they did get a medal. He did a radio <laughs> show nine years ago. <laughs> I saw a, I saw a clip from back when uh, Bullard was in there, and he was just bored the one day, so stuck it on that. Yeah, I saw that. What do you actually do? I've played football, he's done music. Like, come on, what are you doing in here? (laughs) That's brilliant. What he called? He called him uh, Mr. Burns looking something, didn't he? Or Skinner or something like that. He's like, it's 1 0 to the Bulldog. I've got him going here. I'm quite glad we don't see so much of Bullard anymore. There was a phase where it was a bit too much. Well, I think he, uh, I think people did start getting sick of him as soon as he got the soccer end. Didn't they? they were like, it was, and the, but it was just because we don't watch it anymore, then yeah. I don't have to think about it. I like watching a couple of little clips of uh, soccer end, which I think is how it, how it was meant to be uh, uh, digested. It was the World Cup game against Panama where. He did that video of him like running out into his paddling pool every goal, and it's like this isn't funny anymore. <laughs> You're about seventy years old running around in your pants, with your weird long hair, have a trim, put some shorts on, watch it inside like a normal person. TK, if you were picking the Spurs punditry team here, who who are you going with? Because they've got some more interesting characters than I gave them credit for initially. Yeah, it's just that. They're unfortunate, for example, like obviously the biggest club legend is Ledley King and he could be the cure for insomnia. He's fucking painful. Um, Dawson, on the other hand, his voice goes right through me so you couldn't have him either. Uh, He's got the issue where he's still attached to the club as well. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, I think Crouchy is probably a fair shout. I I actually feel like if you gave him a Sky Sports gig, he'd be more analytical as well than he is on BT. I feel like you don't get asked for as much responsibility on BT because I don't care as much. I don't know if you've noticed recently um, since Karen Carney's gone over to Sky, I think she's much better on there. And I said when she was on BT, her commentary on Arsenal Europa League games was rough, but then so was everyone else that was doing that gig. When she was in the studio, I thought she was pretty good. And on Sky... I think she's been really good the last couple of times I've seen her on there. And I think 
it's, it's always been the case with Sky and BTR, isn't it? it? The level there, it just feels a bit more professional. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's just of a higher standard. And yeah, I, I guess it does make you raise your game, which we've hinted about there. Yeah. Um, so he'd be, a, I think, a definite shoe in. I actually don't hate Genus's punditry. I don't like his commentary. I think his punditry is okay. I think it can yeah. be divisive, but it isn't always a bad thing. Um, so yeah, those two would probably be the common sense ones. As Van der Vaart would be my sort of wild card option to pull in on a, on a specialist occasion, just to see if you know we can get some sort yeah. of gems out of him. Every every week calling people shit might be a bit much, but if we can get him in every so often, that'd be nice. Because look, he's got plenty of options with the Spurs team at the minute. I think with Genus, um, he's toned it down a bit because on some of these Champions League nights, they're kind of grooming him to start fill, filling the uh, Lineker role. And he's been doing the hosting on some of the Europa League nights as well. Hey, listen, that man's hosted the one show. That man has experience. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're trying to get him to be the That's new totally Lineker. Totally he's fair. a lot more central when you look at even like the promotional things they did during the World Cup, etc. So I think he wants to be more likeable. And there was a phase where he was irritating just about every fan base other than Spurs. And I don't think he was doing much for them. Um, in fact, he was either being irritating or he was being a laughing stock because he'd say something that would look awful about an hour later. So I, I don't know. What do you think of Hoddle? Because I've never been a fan of him particularly. I, he, he goes right through me. But in terms of his in-game things that he points out he does it with England quite well in terms of kind of tactical changes and things like that I think he's a lot better than he sometimes gets credit for because he can come across a bit bumbling can he but I rate I rate Huddle big time really really do I think I saw a tweet go out after one of our goals I think it was after the personal Lloyd goal against Juventus in the week in the week so that like Glenn Hoddle is genuinely now one of the best good goal commentators for the way that he kind of describes the goal afterwards. I think people forget how brilliant of a footballer he was. And he wasn't a bad manager either, really, when you look at it. So he knows his stuff. Was he? He gets it around. Gets it. I think he gets he it. He's got Chelsea loyalty there, TK. Yeah, he, he failed at every club he had. Did half okay at England and then decided to talk about disabled people. Yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is his CV. It's one of them weeks. It's one of them weeks. <laughs> I, th- I think as well, like, I'm just so ecstatic to not have Steve McManaman on comms that anything other... Hey, we're getting to Liverpool next. He really does create quite a standard, doesn't he? Christ. I've, I've heard he was... I mean, the game didn't offer much. I've heard he was pretty bad Saturday for the Arsenal. What, Macca? Yeah. Commentary on. Maybe I just didn't have it on. Well, I saw... Cause I. I Twitter up as soon as the game, so I was trying to see if Willock was playing. And the first thing I saw was, oh, fuck me, Steve McManaman. The worst thing you can hear on a Saturday morning. <laughs> it comes to something when you're praying for Keo. Yeah, yeah um, that, that should never be a thing. That's a relegation zone. <laughs> I, I think with, with Spurs, if I was, yeah, I'm probably going Crouch. I like the Van der Vaart show. I don't know how I didn't have that written down after he's literally been all over Twitter the last uh, week or so. And I do, I probably do take Genus over the others, and I don't particularly like him. I just think he at least makes the conversation go in the right places, which is half the job. And I think him around the guys you get at Sky Sports, 
he'd have to rise to it and he'd probably be in quite a few more spats going back and forth because I do I do respect that he does go out to bat for Spurs and they don't give him much to go out to bat with. <laughs> but he is willing to do it and fight. So you got to give him... Uh, Imagine throwing him to, to the wolves, throwing him against Keane. Tottenham just have a shit, absolute shit show and he's got to go out to bat for them against Keane Savage and Oh, God. You've got to think that Frank taught him some lessons. Frank and Shearer that day, they gave him a humbling. Like when a boxer <laughs> gets shinned and he's like, look, it's the best <laughs> thing that could have happened to me. That. <laughs> and he might be like that. <laughs> oh. yeah, Alex and Sean were out having their hearts broken. <laughs> Poor guys. Jack, outside the huddle, before we move on from Spurs, anyone else there that tickles your fancy? Not particularly. It's a pretty bad bunch when you look at Jamie Hara, Jermaine Genus. <laughs> I, I've got you down as a Jamie Redknapp man. I can listen to him. <laughs> I would still class him more as a Liverpool kind of affiliated pundit. Yeah, yeah. He burst onto the scene, didn't he, really? And then people have gone off him a little bit, but... He burst on at a time where you didn't have to do any work is his problem. That's true. Yeah. Then Neville and Carragher have come along and he's looking like, what are you doing to me here, lads? Yeah, that's that's exactly what's happened. He's come on, thinks he can look good in a three-piece suit and just pick <laughs> his mind, where Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher kind of just bring a level of professionalism that he just doesn't seem to have. <laughs> looking good has worked for him for quite a long time, though. Like The endorsement deals and things he's got from essentially, as you just said, looking all right in a three-piece suit. It's fucking remarkable when you look at his dad as well. I mean, just... Yeah. face it looks like it's been poured on. Just doesn't make sense. I mean, the women in that family must have some decent... like. There must be great genetics on that side, yeah, for sure. Yeah, because like, when you think as well that when Frank Lampard Sr., like Frank isn't a bad-looking chap, but Frank Lampard Sr. and, J- and Harry Redknapp, like, you wouldn't class them as guys you think you'd have attractive offspring. <laughs> Has he, has he ever been caught out cheating, Jamie? Because he looks like the type of guy that has a scandal all over him. But I can't <laughs> yeah. remember anything. I'm sure he has. I think he, sure. he may have been cheated on as well, me. I thought his bird cheated on him. I can't remember. I mean, that's, that's the best kind of turn you can have in his position. That gets you right up. Yeah, yeah. Imagine him walking down the street just like, I don't know. Just just walking his dog. Thinking, yeah, just been cheated on love. Oh, you, you, you to, can feel sorry for me if you want. Yeah, cool. Giving Alex Scott the eyes whenever she was on Sky. Yeah. If we go on to uh, Liverpool, who arguably have the most choice, actually. Um, sure. And if I thought the Spurs lot was bad, Chelsea's was maybe the worst I could possibly <laughs> uh, pick out with some of the guys they've got there. Um, Liverpool... Jamie Carragher and Steve McManaman, the two most prominent these days. Um, Christ alive. TK, now, there's there's one here I've, I've been going out to bat for for some time recently, and he'd be making my mix of uh, Liverpool pundits. I think I we think may be on the this, same hymn sheet. This is, this is the time for the Alan Hansen comeback. Agreed. Agreed. Pull him out of the grave. Is in. I don't, he must just not want it, because I can't believe there's any other reason. They're not making an approach. Some of the dross that's on TV these days, you get him in. Liverpool's success might not suit him these days, actually, but I can imagine him being right smug there in a Liverpool United game. Feet up. 
legs spread wide, showing he's the big dog at, uh, <laughs> in the studio, and just snarling at whatever's gone on. I think he'd he'd be golden. Yeah, he had a certain level of smugness when we were shit. So I don't know what he'd be yeah. like now. It'd be a nightmare. Uh, he was kind of, he was kind of somewhat ahead of his time, I think, as well. If you look yeah, at some, yeah. of the, some of the pieces he did on matches today, I do think were quite analytical at a time where you weren't really having a lot of that. So get him in a Sky Studio, he could do all sorts of damage. There's some other names to to, to bring back here. I said um, Jimmy Carragher, Steve McManaman, Michael Owen. You've had still does some of them Champions League nights. Um, Phil Thompson. If you want to bring him in, I saw him recently top a poll for um, pundits that uh, people are most clamouring for to get in the studio. Uh, Crouchy obviously gets in this list as well. Soonis, as we've mentioned. Jamie Rudnap in this one as well. Mark Lawrenson, if you want to get him in there. Just him just making sarcastic comments throughout <laughs> the whole thing. Robbie Fowler, your man. Dilly Haman used to float about for quite a bit. I haven't seen much from him lately. Uh, David James. John Barnes. Um, Unfortunately, these days just gets brought out when there's some kind of racist storm. Um, but other than that, I'm sure there's other Liverpool ones. Might be dangerous having Barnsley in the studio too many times. It feels like a time yeah. bomb. <laughs> but the, the list of Liverpool, I mean, if you just search Liverpool pundits um, in just a standard Google search, the complaints from people that Liverpool ex-players have just been dominating the TV... <laughs> Is is rampant. It's more. It's more than one person saying this, but you've got quite a good little mix there. If you want to get a nice combination of the three, I mean, you you've got Jamie Carragher surely nailed on. Yeah, for sure. He, he's a guaranteed starter, isn't he? I think he's the best. I think he's the top level. I think he's nowadays the best there is. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I think he's. Um... Oddly, seems one of the most objective as well. I think it's something we always yeah. used to praise Neville for, and I think he's kind of gone off that a little bit. And if you if you to ask people who's sort of more rational, objective one out of two, you'd probably go with Carrie over Neville most of the time. How has it come around that of that English golden generation, Carrie is actually probably the most likable of that team? I saw uh, were... I saw someone say this online, and I saw someone say never... this. Because he was on the bench, so he was like, so it didn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have that winning mentality, so he was always going to be the most reasonable. I saw someone say. <laughs> if, if we went back even 2010 and someone told you Jamie Carragher is not just going to be on TV, but he's actually going to be probably the most popular, it's if you could have gone you, back to them, you would not believe it, or you could have rewound to when he just spat in a kid's face and you said, <laughs> you know what. The nation's going to love this guy, trust me. <laughs> They're going to love him. It's, it's mad as well because the way he is, you think the more you hear from him, it, it, it could be worse and he could either, you could just get sick of him. I mean, people, I'll put myself in this, but people don't take much to be turned off by scouts on TV as it is. Like They aren't the most popular to be uh, particularly doing this kind of job. Yeah, you're alone, starting at a deficit with most people. Yeah. The, the fact that um, he's as popular as he is, some of the segments he does where he's properly breaking things down, showing this is why you do this, this is why you do that. Yeah, unbelievable. And even better when he's doing things like today, sticking it on Rio Ferdinand. <laughs> some of the names that have been linked with Chelsea through the years that have just essentially just tried to go in there just to pick up a few trophies at the end of their career is mental. I knew look at Rooney tried doing it. Rio, we now know, tried doing it. 
Gerard tried it a bit earlier. Um, they've had some uh, good names in there, but elsewhere, is, is is Owen getting anywhere near your studio? He's not. He's improved. To be he's fair, from when he started, he, he couldn't get much worse than when he first started. Uh, I do think actually some of his takes over the years have actually been quite good. I don't think he always frames them particularly well, but I, I think he's getting better at it. Uh, his boldness on the United thing, obviously not so long ago, was, was yeah. good. People seem to enjoy that. So uh, maybe in a few years' time he can he can get the gig, but he's he's not in there at the minute. I think for him, he seems to be better almost the less prepped he is. Like when he's talking from experience, or he's just talking because he's just particularly impassioned about something like the United one, where he's just on the pitch after the game. He seems to be a lot better. The the commentary thing was just. Pretty early on, we knew that just wasn't going to work. And I don't know why <laughs> yeah. they persisted with it for as long as they did. <laughs> no. But the punditry stuff, I, I do think, particularly when he's talking about finishing, I think he, he's very interesting. Hmm. Phil Thompson, talk to me. Thompson, actually, I, I like the shout. He's actually, um, I, I listened to an interview he did uh, um, a while ago, and he just had story after story. And I just realised like, I've listened to like over an hour of Phil Thompson here. If you told me that before, I thought I can't. I like the guy, but I wouldn't have thought. But he was just—he was an interesting. He's really engaging and good to uh, listen to. So I think he probably could do a decent job in that, which goes probably a bit beyond him getting on with Jeff and the boys and basically them all being mates. Which, as much as that, he obviously he he was good on that. That is also a bit of a free pass. It's not quite the yeah. same as, as doing a game. Um, I, yeah, I think he's good. I think he's passionate. I think. If you get him on every week, he probably would be a bit of a homer. You'd be sort of like, all right, you've kind of got to take your Liverpool blinkers off a little bit here, Phil. But maybe that could be his role. Maybe he could just be completely delusional. And then the character has to rein him in a bit. Yeah. I think he, he could be good value. And probably for some of these um, Super Sunday boys who are not really them, other than Letizia, have come out and been whinging that they are trying something new. Probably be a good opportunity for them to show that they can actually do the serious punditry rather than just screaming Jeff at the top of their lungs and uh, <laughs> hoping something dramatic happens. Which is probably where Crouchy's got a pretty good balance because some of these Champions League nights when it's like lesser known teams, but it's not Prem teams and it's ones where he actually has to talk about the tactics and talk about things more than just his own experiences. He is also a very good value on there and then he's also a very good value of what was it like to play under Rafa Benitez and he can tell you about I got him this at the Christmas party one year and so on and so on. Yeah, he's got a so nice balance, doesn't he, where he doesn't yeah. go too much on the clown act, but he does, he gets a bit of both. Can you recall Diddy Hamam? You must just do it abroad now because he certainly used to, used to pop up on Sky and BT, for example. Yeah, you're right. He was actually, I thought, quite good in parts. Um, was he a Satanta boy? Would he have gone back that far? Christ, I don't know. He's been on BT, hasn't he? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he, again, a good blend of he always had quite a, a decent sense of humour, but also I do remember he was he was good at breaking breaking things down in there as well. I'm surprised he doesn't gone for more of a job in football. Actually, he wouldn't be a bad option. No. Do Do you have a clear three when it comes to Liverpool? Because you've you've got some big names there to choose from. Yeah, I think I think Carragher and dragging Hansen from the grave would be would be my preferred yeah. option. Um. And maybe alternate Phil Thompson and Diddy Hammer. I think the other lads either 
not terrible like McManaman. <laughs> Probably not not bringing enough to the party like Owen. Um, all I know he's in. Um, I think he's got a management gig now. But people like Fowler and others like that, I don't feel. Yeah. You know when you get a pundit on, he's probably isn't fully committed. I don't think he yet he would be. Crouchy's looking, thinking uh, he thought Alex was going to pick him up, and he's trying to make eye contact with TK while they're picking faces here. And <laughs> I've he's not uh, made the cut there either. They've got a pick ahead of me in the draft. I've assumed they're getting Crouchy, so I've made other plans. <laughs> Sorry, Crouchy, you've been left on the sidelines, boss. That's um, like that's what you get when you play the field as a player. I mean, yeah, this he's, is, he's got to hope he gets the Stoke gig instead. Playing, playing the field, though. I mean, he's, he's had a lot more to go up against with Liverpool than he has at Spurs, Alex. I think he's got a right to feel offended here. <laughs> he's got every right yeah, to be offended fair, by that. Fair point. Fair point. Now, Arsenal fans have been quite dissatisfied with our selection through the years, mainly because I don't think we have anyone biased enough as being part of the issue. You've tuned in and you've been told that you've got some Arsenal coverage and it's Alan Smith or oh, it's uh, Martin Keown or it's someone uh, of that ilk, John Hartson. Alan Smith kills pretty, me. Yeah, pretty depressing whether you win or lose. Um, some of the names uh, that have been on TV, Ian Wright is obviously does a lot of BBC um, work. Thierry Henry is always good value when he comes in on Sky. Freddie Lundberg, I've quite liked. Fabregas was good during the World Cup and the Euros when he was brought in by BBC. Alex Scott. Lee Dixon, not too bad. Paul Merson, he's got his own little brand of uh, punditry he does there. Ashley Cole, I've not... Sometimes I think he's great, sometimes not so much. I think he's actually better when he's asked to break things down from a defensive Mm. perspective, but... Um, if he wants to make the cut, Jack's going to have to pick him because you're not getting in my list, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> Sol Campbell, um, I think, falls into the Ledley King mix there. Although I don't think I feel like Sol might come up with something, though. I feel like you never know. Yeah. No, he might. He he has my favourite Instagram account <laughs> in the world when it's just him doing a story, just talking into the front camera. He, he's dynamite when he does that. <laughs> Even when it's just him, Arsenal, be Arsenal. And this, this, I don't know what you're doing here, but it's great. <laughs> Tony Adams actually makes me nervous when he's on there because it looks like he makes everyone else nervous who he's in there with. Yeah, and yeah, I agree. I don't know if you've seen much of his punditry, but Emmanuel Petit is actually very good value when he does some of the foreign shows. And much like uh, Van der Vaart, he's not too shy to come out with something that's a bit outrageous either. Yeah, I've, I've only seen bits of him, and I've, I've kind of got that impression that he, he wouldn't be shy. It's usually quite anti-Arsenal. Um, I know he's definitely not a Granit Xhaka fan. Yeah, I mean, that might have been what I saw, actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, the one who I think should be in above all, I think my three is probably pretty easy, actually. Um, my three would be um, Ian Wright, Thierry Henry, Arsene Wenger. Mm. Wenger, if he's not going to be in management, he's great in just terms of breaking the game down. And I think there's very few of these top-level managers who we do get in punditry. He used to savour it when you'd get Jose in the studio and he would talk about things like that. And it's a shame we don't 
get more of them in. I remember a, uh, a segment with Jose, and it was during the North London derby that we drew 2-2. Spurs went 2-0 up in the first half. Uh, Lacazette scored just at the end of the first half, and then Gwendouzi set up Aubameyang for the 2-2. Um, Hurricane had a filthy dive in stoppage time, if that helps bring it back. And they what made him watch Can't it. Can't believe that. They made him watch it in his interview after. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Jose, that day, it was when Pepe had only recently come in and he was explaining how you would get this Arsenal system to work. And it was essentially when he was desperate for the Arsenal job and then had to sell for Spurs. Um, but it's just great when you can get some of these tactical minds to be really breaking things down like that. And I think Wenger in there, he's your man for that. Ian Wright, come on, have a little shuffle around here. What's, Ian what's Wright, going on? Ian Wright is great for that. If Arsenal have won, I want to see him happy and celebrating and jumping and dancing in the studio. If if we've lost, I do kind of want to look at someone that feels the same way I'm feeling, which I don't often feel with a lot of the pundits. And then Thierry Henry is Thierry Henry. It can go either way, but the the, the things he does on it. Is it CBS he does in the week with Cara? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he looks great on there when he's got someone to bounce off of and him and Caragos who seem to have that going very well. So they would be my three, I think, if I'm picking from an Arsenal perspective. But I wouldn't argue with Fabregas, Alex Scott being in the studio because uh, they're both great as well. Yes, sir. What, what do you think when you've got people that are a bit closer to the action? Um, that are still involved with the club because I know Jack is particularly unhappy every time he sees Jack Wilshere on the TV um, I, I don't think he's particularly has a personality like that that's really going to fulfil that role excellently anyway but also the fact he is still involved with Arsenal means he isn't going to come out and say anything too damning anyway It's not so much that I want him to come out and be controversial and create public opinions but it's just his deliverance and the way he just looks so disinterested all the time it's like <laughs> you know when a teacher was picks on the dumb kid in the class and like he, he always used to do it just to hear him mumble into his own hands it's kind of like what happens with like Billy Wilson. Madison <laughs> you don't think he's don't think he's just shy have you not seen Billy Madison no, I haven't. And like, even he if he's on shy, a stuttering kid, they can't read. If he is shy, but there's a certain amount of pizzazz that most of his co-presenters, if it's Talk Sport or Sky, bring to the table, and then it goes to him and it kills the entire vibe. Just like I do. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't. I don't. Think don't. 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 Great. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't sugarcoat it, Jack. He's just shit. Yeah. That. I mean, <laughs> he's essentially brought in, isn't he? Because he's he's close to the action, and they want him to have some kind of opinion whether it's happy sad etc he was brought in as a pathetic sympathy vote it's not bad for him being unemployed i wouldn't say that's the case he's he's better on talk sport i would say when you look at usually who he's paired up with it's not the big boys that he's in there with that kind of create the conversation you go back and forth with he's usually in there with jamie redknapp dave uh Jones, whatever his name is, he's, he's not usually in there with Carragher, Keane, Neville, who make that conversation happen and give you something to bounce off of. I don't think he's going to come out 
and give you an in-depth analytical point, and I don't think that's what he's in there for. I think he's in there to say Arsenal are poor today, Arsenal should be doing this more. But I just, I just don't think it's really his game. You're a talk sport man, Jack. Have you seen any of his bits on talk sport? Yeah, I listen to him a lot. That's why I think it. Because he's on drive lot with Darren Bent and um, Andy Goldstein. He seems a bit better on there. That's a team, Christ. He's not. He's really <laughs> not. He's just, he's woeful, in fact. Oh, God. The, the main clips I've seen when he, he's been quieter, he's been when Goldstein is consistently asking him, when are you going to play for Arsenal again? No, it's not, it's not so much that. Like, well, I, don't know, I, find, I don't know if that's going to happen. It's, it's that, and he's saying, oh, what do you want me to do? No, it's, it's not when he's asked for top tens, and like, when he just gets asked like, a question, he just starts mumbling, really monotone. <laughs> and it's just like, your Goldstein is quite a flamboyant presenter. It just gets shown up next to him. I mean, I don't want to bash the guy. I don't want to stay on this point, but... He's got a good job no, no, of it. No, please do. Please do. Please do. He deserves everything. Deserves all of it. He's wow. Just, what do you mean, fails everything? He's bigger than your club. Like, I've I've seen presenters that... I, like, have less things to say than he does, but say it's, it's present it in a much better way. Whereas he has nothing to say and he presents it poorly. He did a bit of the um, number 10 role of being in the hosting seat when he came back from an ad break the other day and I thought he was joking. I thought they, I thought he thought he was off air. It's <laughs> terrible. Oh, God. He is the kid who peaked in high school. Well, he's still one more. Band. Hey, unfortunately so for Jack, his time's up. There's still time for us. Well, um, if you look at some of these latest uh, interviews, people think he, uh, he may be getting a run out in January. Oh, great. <laughs> is he, with, is he with, with Arsenal? He's training with the first team, yeah. He, he's been brought back, essentially, if he, to, to get back fit, because no club was even willing to take him on to be a part of it there. Part, well, the, the club in Italy was, and then um, he couldn't get a permit, I believe, was uh, part of the issue. So he asked Arsenal if he could train there, get a level of match fitness. We don't know what's gone on behind the scenes, but he trains with the first team, and he's he wants to do his coaching badges and so he's going to be doing that with the under 23s and the under 18s but in a way that is probably the, the likes of uh, Mason Mount and Reese James would be at the moment when the fact they've come through the Chelsea Academy and they're the face of uh, that at the moment. Wilshire is the face of uh, the Academy there his pictures on the wall all of this so I think they kind of have no as an inspiration as much as anything and to kind of pass on any advice he has until he can find something else. I imagine off camera, which isn't much help when we're talking about punditry, hence why he wasn't even on my list of consideration. I imagine he is quite entertaining, but that's not much use if when they press the camera to get it rolling, that fails out. There must be a reason he's being brought in is essentially. I think people think think he's going to be this character. And maybe he just isn't that guy. But in our minds, he is, I think, potentially. Kind of like, you know, when you get someone, they used to do it with Celebrity Big Brother, and you thought, oh, it'll be interesting. And about two days in, you're like, oh, no, this is just a regular guy. <laughs> this this guy isn't actually that outlandish at all. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just a standard bloke. Yeah, that's, that's probably it. I think he is just a standard mm. bloke. The, the clips of when he's had any controversy or anything like that has been when he's had a drink. 
which yeah, most people yeah. do get, at least get more interested and more irritated, whatever. When they get a couple of jars down in before he gets on there. Then. Well, the ones obviously when he's taunting the Spurs fans, which um, the Spurs <laughs> fans asked for him to receive a ban for, actually, um, because he sang the uh, My Old Man Said Be a Tottenham Fan and I Don't Need to Say the Rest on Air. Um, with the megaphone, I don't know that put a lot of people's backs up, but he had the thing where he was smoking, which obviously in football it goes goes horribly wrong. I think he had a reputation as being a character when he probably is just a reasonably normal guy. And yeah, the most that's... interesting stuff they get out of him is when they're talking about injuries because he has yeah, a lot more experience talking about it. I think we said on the pod around the time it happened that these aren't particularly outlandish things that like you got caught having a fag. It's not the most yeah. like outrageous behavior. It was kind of like, you know, when they used to do the thing with Prince Harry, it'd be like, Prince Harry was at a party last night. He fucking yeah. wasn't. No, he wasn't. No way. <laughs> yeah, Giroud had some of them. I remember I remember Giroud getting caught cheating and he apologised to Arsene Wenger before his wife <laughs> in, in his Twitter statement. And then, But then when he got caught smoking, the, the reaction was like, well, he's French. <laughs> Jack, um, if we talk about Chelsea, and there may be some that you can enlighten me to, but it's as rough a mix as I think I've I've ever seen. Uh, it's Pickens, isn't it? If you if I mean if you dare say Jason Cundy, I don't know what I'll do. <laughs> uh, but I've got I've got his name down. Um, I mean you can have a studio here of Jason Cundy, Eni Aluko, and Steve Sidwell. Oh God! You will respect I, Steve Sidwell. I actually I quite like Jason Cundy. He's, he's a rat. Yeah, I don't know. He's not a secret footballer. No, that's Dave Kitson. You got the wrong ginger fella. That's discrimination. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Unbelievable. All right. All right. I'll take back the rat comment then, although we did play for Chelsea, so uh, <laughs> maybe not too far um, gone. But <laughs> Oh, we'll get Jason. a lot of complaints now. Oh. <laughs> ginger discrimination doesn't really get taken seriously, though, TK. It's one of the few things you're allowed to do now, so we're, uh, we're safe for that one. It's funny, I, I think my ginger mate in Sickle actually did a phosphine ethics. His end of year coursework was on gingerism should be classed as racism. Hey, it's, it's a nice try, mate. It's a nice effort. <laughs> the, the problem is the very people that are supposed to be the victim don't care. So, yeah, <laughs> not going, then you got no chance. Yeah, the other um, ones I had down here, um, Frank Lampard, and we mentioned him earlier. As long as he's out of management, we can put him in the mix. Um, Hasselbank, we had in the mix yesterday. Uh, Joe Cole is doing his thing. You shouldn't um, overlook Ashley me. Cole, he, he did say he likes Jason Cundy in amongst all that, by the way. He did he's confirm. told me that before, and I'm sure he doesn't <laughs> wind me up. <laughs> <laughs> because that show with their fake phone-ins, which oh, for some reason God. people believe are real. No, Jason Kendall's a funny guy and his oh, opinions about Chelsea are usually quite in the line with mine I don't, don't know if that says more about him or me <laughs> I don't know who's finding him funny no he feels very forced as well a lot of his stuff does feel like he knows what he's doing and it's very wooden well, did, did you see in his show he had a, he had a punchline the other day and they got a guy on to speak to uh, Jamie O'Hara after the uh, Murrah defeat and he, his punchline was that they couldn't find the Slovenian national anthem to play, so they played the Slovakian one. And he said, <laughs> basically, same thing, isn't it? None of us really know who Mira are. 
<laughs> you can see I mean, this. You can see this on YouTube, Twitter. He plays it on the phone as a guy who said he's a Murph fan, and he goes, "Oh, I didn't know that one." And he says, "Oh, we got the national anthems mixed up. Basically, same thing, though, isn't it?" It's highbrow stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there isn't really a competition as to why Goldstein got the drive gig and he got the <laughs> yeah. sports bar. I think I still like him. <laughs> there was a phase where Goldstein uh, did the darts for a little bit. Mm. Goldstein's brilliant. I think it's just it just makes me laugh constantly. He and this may tie in with the fact that he is with um, Wilshire there, who said isn't giving him too much. Some of the clips of them together are are rough. Candy dragged him down. Him saying uh, that Jack, we, will I be the first person you text if you do get the job? <laughs> ben asks him as, as in amongst that when Goldstein says he'd like to see Wilshire play for Arsenal again. Ben says, would you take him at United? And Goldstein looked very awkward. <laughs> and he goes, yeah. And Wilshire says, come off it, mate. Not even, not even you can say that with, with anything really about you. And he goes, no, no, no. Of, of course I'd like to see him at United. <laughs> In the boot room. And then they all have a little... <laughs> That's the classic Goldstein. <laughs> so, Cundy, I mean, if I just ask you straight up, Jack, is is he in the studio for you? I think you missed out Rude Hullet as well. Rude Hullet, I like like Rude. You consider him Chelsea-centric. I think my, instead of the ones that miss out, I think we're not going to concentrate on the positives, concentrate on the ones that do make the squad. (laughs) And Frank Lampard is definitely number one, I think. I thought he was brilliant. And before he went in to manage Chelsea, I think, the world look the footballing world looks a bit more favourably on him because um, he was he's charismatic, me. charismatic in the studio he knows his stuff and he made Jermaine Genius look like an absolute mug so like he's got all those things going for him so he's number did one did that I'm rhyme thinking. did that rhyme that that sentence <laughs> I'm not sure but you can go back and check I wasn't trying <laughs> intending to he's not going to wrap his way through this yeah <laughs> <laughs> that would be I would be impressed if he does that <laughs> <laughs> I think I think next on my list he's really come into his own and that's Joe Cole I think I agree certainly d- agree during that um, Champions League run last last season when he would commentate or be a pundit in the studio for all of our games but he wasn't just an ex-Chelsea player that likes Chelsea you could tell that he loves Chelsea and for someone who's grown up watching him do interviews to hear him now speak about football I was like fuck me where's, where's this come from he is I think he yeah. prefers West Ham no he, he's classed himself as a Chelsea fan um, and the love he has for Chelsea I think is evident to see when he's jumping up and down like he's on a trampoline when we won the Champions League last season so Joe Cole is definitely in there as number two now the third spot I, I want to ask something about Joe Cole quick before you you go for on. it mate you go I saw recently, I was seeing some clips about him because I can't, I really can't make my mind up on him and it, it changes week by week. But when he first started become, becoming a pundit, he did a little bit of a tour across the studios where he was essentially trying to point out and almost apologise for going to Liverpool as a player. And he kept bringing up that thing of uh, when he signed, the person in the Liverpool website asked him, told him, that you play for the biggest club in the world now. And he apologised for agreeing with him. And now I do think he goes out of his way to make out and let you know just how Chelsea is. Because that's a bad look going to Liverpool. 
I think, I mean, I remember that transfer because I was on holiday and I saw it in the newspaper and I was like, what the fuck's happened here? Because he just won the league with us. I think he was very blessed in the sense that his career kind of ended because he just kept getting injured. So we didn't actually see too much of him in the Liverpool shirt. And he it went wasn't to Lille, really... didn't he, with Hazard? Yeah, and then he convinced Hazard to join Chelsea. So, I mean, things happen for a reason, I guess. He got but, sent um, off in his Liverpool debut against us. Like just, just as a side note there, like, I never expected that transfer to happen either. I just I remember seeing it on Twitter. He tweeted it out and I was like, how the hell has he chosen us? But story for another well, It's day. obviously Joe Cole, obviously. I mean, literally, everybody yeah. tends to base their opinion yeah. on what Joe Cole's going to tell them. <laughs> yeah. And that was when uh, Gerard said, um, Messi's obviously a great player, but there's nothing he can do with the football that Joe Cole can't do. That's a real arm. And that there's things that Joe Cole can do that Messi can't do. Do you remember that? I've never heard anyone be tipped for player of the season, play, the club's player of the season before as well either, which Gerard did for Joe Cole. He was really trying to boost him, right? <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Jack, sorry. No, I was, just, I was just saying, I think those are my top two. And then for third spot, you're kind of fighting around with Rude Hillett or Jimmy Floyd, really. I, I can't... What about Pat Nevin? <laughs> He's not in enough things. What about Enio Luka? <laughs> Um, sadly not not for me anyway I think Pat Nevin he does like a bit on five doesn't he and then yeah. quest when the Carabao Cup's on um, but I, I wouldn't say he's got that consistency that I'd put him he, he's a good pundit but you just need that pedigree a little bit and the problem with Rude Hullet used to be great during the 2010s I think he used to do a lot on ITV and Sky for the Champions League and he was always good value to have in the have in the studio because he could have give some a real European insight into in, into it. And you could still tell that he hadn't quite an affinity with Chelsea. Um, it's kind of, kind of stepped Ashley. away from it a little bit, hasn't he? I love Ashley Cole, but he's a hard watch sometimes. Um, he's got some great anecdotes and some decent stories, but he hasn't got that kind of flowing ability when it comes to him. It kind of does stop dead a little bit. So we he, were. Doesn't make the cut for me. We were speaking about that transfer and the way to the game on Saturday. And you can see how with Arsenal, there's the same story repeating itself where the Ramsey deal was agreed, Arsenal pulled it off the table. The Ashley Cole one, the fact they had the contract agreed to renew it and then put reneged on the deal because they didn't want to pay him an extra three grand looks as horrible as any deal, I think, in Arsenal's history. I think that's the thing, isn't it? Because I think Probably Ashley best Cole was, left back in the world. Yeah, Ashley Cole was more. It wasn't pissed off about the money. He was pissed off that it was taken away from him when it was agreed. I think he, he was but, pissed off at the fact that Arsenal didn't feel he was worth that yeah, extra. Exactly. Um, when he was pictured going into a hotel room, proper old school transfer stuff. <laughs> Chelsea, Chelsea, then getting pulled up on it, and after that, I think the only time I can ever recall anyone being done for tapping up is. Um, Liverpool for Van Dijk. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how these two are the only things when everybody knows that this is going on, but those ones are... Well, it was like Edward was being the only one getting done for diving after he just <laughs> had his legs snapped in half. It's just odd. Yeah. I mean, to go back to the chance point, I think yeah, you yeah. can... You, you allow you to flip a coin for Rude Hullet or Jimmy Floyd. I think Jimmy Floyd's really good. I think he's good, but I do think Rude Hullet's pretty decent as well. It's just that Rude Hullet seems to have stepped away from punditry a little bit. He's not as prevalent as he was, saying like, between no, 2010 no, no. and 
theme. Some of, Drogba did a bit for a while, didn't he? I don't remember if he did. And he doesn't stand I out. A, I thought he did a bit with BBC. I mean, I'm not saying he didn't. I'm just saying that I don't remember if he has. So I thought he'd done some bits around the same time that Frank, uh, not the Frank, that Sesk was doing it for um, for the World Cups. Or maybe I've dreamt mm. that. I don't know. You think though, with with some of these um, Chelsea teams, that obviously you do have some personalities in there that you haven't got more out of it. Where as Chelsea have been on TV more and more, you'd think there would be kind of a need, or not so much a need as a want, for more Chelsea people to be involved. Whether it's going to be the likes of uh, Damien Duff should be a good pundit. Don't have any reasoning behind that. Just looks like he, <laughs> he, he say what he means. <laughs> I can't believe he's not been wheeled out there. I'm sure Petchek's going to be wheeled out there at some point. Um, even just some of these defenders, like, I want to hear what Carvalho has to say. I'm surprised JT hasn't done more. I know he's been involved with yes, a lot of coaching too. roles, but I'm, I'm surprised sure Wayne Bridge tried it briefly. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah I, I just, I can't. Like Michael Ballack is a fair, well, did a fair bit with the German TV. Um, and apart from that, there aren't. I was right. Drogba did the World Cup in 2018. I knew I, knew, I, knew I remembered something. I spent half of that pissed up, so that's probably why I can't remember <laughs> it. Was, it's only the Chelsea ones, because some, some players kind of do bits with the fan TV and things, don't they? And then you never really see them go any further than that. Yeah, there isn't there isn't a plethora of Chelsea like ex-Chelsea pros that just are queuing up to take those seats. Do any come to mind as ones that you kind of hear when you hear the, the, the pros talk of, he was a character. He was funny or whatever it may be. Yeah, I suppose. I guess um, I, the one that I'd expect the one to be at the forefront is Michael Balak because he's got a bit about him and seems like an interesting guy. Like, Carlo Cuccini always seemed like he would be a decent like, mm. TV personality just because he was a bit mental. Um I guess like you've got Marcel Desai, he's done a bit. So you could yeah, say yeah, that. Yeah. Um, and he's pretty decent, good value when he does kind of step up. He he's gallows in there. Yeah, you can imagine Luca Vialli, being, Luca Vialli being decent. Mm. Just because, again, that passion that he has for, for the game just in general. Um, Zola was all right. He, Zola had the curse of just Oof. being all right at everything after football. Like, <laughs> he, wasn't, he was never good. He was just all right. Like... I'd, an all right manager. An all right manager. Oh. An all right pundit. He never really set the world like he did when he actually played. I'd like to have heard from um, Shevchenko in his time, because when you're international manager, surely you have plenty of time on your hands. I know he's just um, gone to Genoa, I think it is. But <coughs> when, as we said, when, when you do go into management, you usually have a different way of seeing the game in a certain way, of at least speaking about it. And obviously the, the level he played at, you'd think you'd have a fair bit to say. Yeah, I, I was fairly certain he went into politics. He went to run for like the Ukrainian parliament. They, yeah, that's yeah. what. In, in get, Ukraine, essentially, they just get someone famous to lead the charge, don't they? And then the politics, they have the men behind them doing it, like, like Klitschko. Yeah, pretty much. And I guess as well, everything heating up over there and his Russian ties. I just thought he'd probably want to get out of that. <laughs> Sharpish. Go back into football management. But yeah, he's, now he's, he's at Genoa. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, apart from that, I can't really think of any others that really come to the fore. Uh, we had a team of massive personalities, um, but none that would really, I can imagine, in a, sat, in, sat in the studio. 
if if we do United before we move on, and then uh, we'll talk about Ralph Rangnick coming in. So Gary Neville, you would assume, is going to be in the studio uh, for our team. And is anyone arguing that Roy Keane should should be in there either? Yeah, it's, it's hard to overlook Roy, isn't it? He's he can't miss at the minute. I'll tell you one guy, Rio Ferdinand, staying the hell away from my studio. <laughs> that cheat, you keep him the hell away. Another one, oh, I've no interest in being in my studio. Patrice Evra. Fair play, your gimmick was funny for a little bit. <laughs> We've had enough of it now. Second, he put his fist up that chicken. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't need to hear any more from him. Yeah, that was so weird. So, so odd. I mean, when when Twitter collectively draws a line, you know, okay, I'm overstepped <laughs> the mark. It was like, I mean, for a while, him just saying just outrageous things was, yeah, was good when he was saying about Zahara that. But, but he would say things that were so blatantly just for, I want a couple of headlines here. Yeah, that is the problem, isn't it? Like, we, we beat them at Old Trafford, and he was saying, we always used to call Arsenal babies. I was like, I mean, fair enough, you may have. doesn't really have anything to do with the fact that we're just beating you at Old Trafford. Yeah, you can only do this if United wins. You can't, yeah, it, <laughs> you can't do this at the minute. It was like he just had like a little checklist of things he was going to say and, and uh, kind of get the headlines with. But he's surprised that Fergie hasn't done any punditry because a lot of these guys when he says he he, he misses the whole kind of uh, management side of it but he doesn't miss the big games and things surprised they've not been able to wheel him in or do you think his presence and the way they talk about him you wouldn't really get a good debate because they're all kind of going to buckle around him you got to realise that he's a busy man he's at every United game he's at the training sessions <laughs> he's, he's recruiting the new manager every other time so he's a busy man I'll ask you, TK, what do you think about Hargreaves? Oh God, he's he's a tough listen a lot of the time. I, I I think within there, he does... I've watched some of the stuff on BT. I think sometimes he can actually make some good points, but it does get lost in some of the noise around some of the other stuff he says. And, and through no fault of his own, his voice is not the most helpful. No. Um, the best thing about him is Langston's impression of him, saying Bundesliga. Maybe that surprised. is also constantly in my head whenever I see him as well. Maybe that does ruin it. Bit surprised Jack didn't get Chris Sutton into his Chelsea punditry team. <laughs> 28 appearances for the boy. He's an absolute loathsome man. Hate him. <laughs> you want a shitter? Shit, I am, yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Getting back on mute. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But he couldn't hide from that echo. What is that? He just had to, he just had to he had to fire back when you mentioned Sutton though. He wasn't even that. I hate Chris Sutton that much. <laughs> We're just gonna have plop in a minute as he's talking about Sutton. <laughs> oh, these these United boys, I mean we have third none staying the hell away from me. Every staying the hell away from me. Um, what what do you make of Paul Skulls? We, it was maybe a bit of an act. But I do think he is genuinely just a grumpy bastard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's he's kind of just a, a dialed down Keane. I mean, we basically need him to be angry. Is the only time you get anything good out of him because <laughs> because the, the rest of the time he's got 
I was trying to think of it with Alan Smith. And what it is, it's kind of like what, if this was real, I imagine the Dementor would be like in Harry Potter, where as soon as they open their mouth, you just feel like suddenly so much more depressed and like your soul is leaving you just upon them opening their mouths. Uh, because the United one, if, if you're having Keane and you can't really have skulls, I don't think. Like he's essentially there to be BT Sports's skulls, isn't he? It's like Liverpool... You, you can you can have Hanson because you're having Carragher. You, you couldn't put Danny Murphy, Mark Lawrence, and Hanson in the studio. They tried it. It was it was horrible. Yeah, uh, Roy Keane and Scholes would be like the last pairing you'd ever go to send someone to talk someone down off a ledge. They'd be like <laughs> the last people you'd ever set because they'd be straight off over it. <laughs> Five minutes chat with them, they're gone. Hey, Paul Scholes would be up there with him. I mean, he doesn't say anything of substance. Like, he just sits there with his grumpy Mancunian face and just <laughs> moans and bitches the whole time and then sucks his daughter's toes. That's literally all he does. Yeah, I think they'd wind each other up if you put the two of them in there. I yeah, think Keane yeah. would be a bit annoyed that Skulls is taking his shtick. Keane would probably end up thinking he's got to try and put a spin, positive spin on something. And that's the last <laughs> yeah. thing we want from you, Roy. What about Van der Sar? He don't need punditry. Oh, I'm dreaming that. I've heard bad things about Tim Howard. We don't need that over. No, I don't think Van der Sar is, is he? I don't know. Maybe else. I just hear him talk a bit because he's involved with um, IX in this. So that was, a, mm. that was all my thinking was. I actually think Hargreaves could be quite decent on Sky. Mm. If, yeah. Because when he does the kind of tactics board and things, I, I do think he's actually quite good. Um, he's just better when he's talking, he's not talking about anyone that he's involved with. When he's talking about United or just the entire Bundesliga, um, <laughs> he's not as great there. But I think if you add him talking about you know, Liverpool, United, Spurs, etc., then it could be not too bad. Anyone else? You need to have at least it? at least six degrees of separation away from the Bundesliga, though, because he'll find a way to get back otherwise. So you've got to have enough degrees in there. Is there anyone else that has slipped our mind? There definitely is, isn't there? We're not including Savage with the United lot because he is included he, himself. He, he <laughs> might get eaten alive in that Sky Studio. They don't play oh, games there. Oh, could you imagine? Oh, he'd be sort of his death. It'd be horrible. I think if he came across, you, you, you'd get someone like uh, Jamie Redknapp would see that as a chance to get himself back in the good books. Yeah, he'd, yeah. Very... He could dig in at Savage just as they're going off air and be like, that's me done. <laughs> that's me done, boys. I'm back in. <laughs> just those two mugging each other off for who's more done. <laughs> I'm sure there's, there's got to be more United pundits, but... Oh, there are, for sure. Slipping... Uh... I mean, let's face it, Neville and Keane are... No, they're, they're standard, aren't they? It's just if you want someone else at net with them, an extra, an extra one, you'd be. I tell you, it wouldn't yeah. be. I wouldn't have Andy Cole in. I'll tell you that he's even a tough watch when he's been on. Yeah, I don't know if this if this is going to be. Um... Oh no! With what Jack said about Wilshire, does that not all apply to David Beckham as well? Lovely bloke, but he's oh. not a man you particularly want to speak. I mean, and the guy I'm about to mention actually has significant other reasons why he can't go on as well. But Ryan Giggs, before we knew any of the shit oh. about him, was honestly 
thick as two short planks of wood when you listen to him. That was the main reason I thought he wouldn't be a good manager. Turns out he's got some other issues as well. But... <laughs> some more, more pressing yeah. issues, you might argue. But he also did seem a bit dim. Yeah. Derby beating your QPR boys, by the way. I'm very happy for Waza. I think that um, he's not going to be one in the studio either. <laughs> I oh, think that Lord, should man. just about do us. So if we do go on to United, so Ralph Rangnick appointed today, been done for uh, four or five days, you've got to say. Coming into six months, then he's going on a consultancy level for two years after that. He'll be involved in picking the new manager, etc. Um, sources do say that he is interested in taking the full-time job if it does go well, so United can do well uh, dealing with that. Known as the godfather of Gegen pressing, um, we're told what a fantastic coach he is. Last coach at um, Leipzig, he's just come from being a uh, sporting director at uh, Locomotive Moscow. This does seem to be almost universally being praised as a great move for United, a sensible move for them. Um, I guess the question is, do, do we agree with them? If I tell you Paul Merson was on Sky Sports on Saturday and he was critical of the move um, before anyone laughs, he, he'd point out, he did try and tell you about Michael um, Harry Maguire and nobody listened to him. Um, he said, look, I keep hearing all the right things about this guy, but it is a bit different when you do actually have to go out there and do it. He's not done this at a club like United. It's all well and good telling players to press. I think he said at Schalke and Hoffenheim, it's a, it's, it's a different thing to do at Man United. Um, those players are trying to get there. These players at least think they are already there. And uh, if he's so good, why is nobody else at him? Other than that, it's been pretty much this guy is the best thing to ever happen to football and United have unearthed the gem. Yeah, uh, I think I've seen Merson and Sunes come out and say that, take that line. So we've not got two uh, of the most reliable fellas to follow, <laughs> if you do want to go down that route. Uh, I, I, ironically, with Jack saying about Glenn Hoddle earlier, I said the only argument you can have with this guy is the thing people always used to say about Hoddle is his philosophy and stuff. And I'd always go, well, when did he ever implement that as a manager? And I guess this would be the only stick he could beat this guy with in a, in a prolonged period as a manager when he's been able to. I would argue, I guess, the times at Hoffenheim and a brief spell with Schalke would indicate he at least has some ability to implement it. Yeah, I mean, all sorts of... But this is a different level, I will acknowledge. That is true. Yeah, all sorts of kind of stories have been coming out about him, hasn't he? Uh, you've seen all sign the clips. Um, Jack, I don't know if you saw him. Tuchel apparently still calls him daddy. Um, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. <laughs> I may have made that up. Um, for, those, for those that are unaware, have been living under a rock for a while, um, he is credited with developing Gegen pressing. Uh, we first heard about that when Klopp um, came to England and must have spoken about it in one of his press conferences. The idea being the best time to win, <laughs> simply, the best time to win the ball back is when you've just lost it and you, you press from the front and you push the opponent into making a mistake, at that point, you're far closer to the goal and uh, you're more likely to get an end result. The, 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 philosophy, the philosophy of it is supposed to come from what you can do with less technical players. And I think one of his quotes is that um, the mistakes that you can make from the defenders can create far better chances than the best playmaker ever could. And so mm -hmm. with the work rate, you're effectively 
getting what you could be getting from a De Bruyne or an Ozil or someone of that quality. Um, and then the, the thinking being, if you've then got the players that have that quality doing it, when you do win it back, it's going to be far easier to uh, get a result at the other end. Um, his last job in management was Leipzig 28 to 2019, where I think it was about 40 games. And then he was at Leipzig 2015-16. All of the things are being said. Is, is, is anyone worried? Because they've started to sell me the dream here and we're playing on Thursday. <laughs> that explains why you're worried. Just that, just that immediacy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping... I, 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 oh. I, I was just, just going to say, I was hoping this is going to be such a system change. For, obviously, I saw the best way I saw it summed up was... An Alan Partridge dictaphone meme of Gagan Preston with Ronaldo. <laughs> and it was just that I kind of thought in my head that they have not got the team to be doing that yet. And I don't think they've got, I can't imagine Pogba, Ronaldo really doing much Gagan pressing. I mean, from what I saw yesterday, I mean, Ronaldo Betty touched the ball when he came on. In the, it was Rashford running around doing most of the pressing, to be fair. So I'm hoping it's going to be such a system change. It's going to be one of those where it takes a while to implement. A bit like when ABB came to Chelsea and tried to employ a high line. Blimey, with, that's not the um, comparison I was going to make. I was thinking, like, the complete shift in tactics of going, like, with JT playing a high line and just getting ripped apart quite a lot. Robin Van Persie springs to mind with that 5-2 at the bridge. I'm just hoping that it turns into that, essentially. Tika, you can probably shine some light on this. Um, Klopp did an interview um, this week where he pointed out to Rangnick that it's all well and good having this philosophy, but being able to implement it at this time of the year is it, downright impossible. You play almost 20, about 20 games, uh, well, it feels like 20 games, between now and Christmas. And because of that, you've got a game every three days. You, you don't have any time on the training field. And so you can only implement this style. You can only implement um, the, the fatigue levels that the team needs in time. And you, he's not going to get that time until January at the least. So it's not going to be an overnight fix, even if he can tell them what to do. No, exactly. Exactly. Um... In terms of the coaching, it's obviously going to take time. Physically, it's going to take them time. They're also going to pick up injuries along the way. It happened with Liverpool, for example, when Klopp first came in. So, and bearing in mind, he's obviously on a six-month contract as a manager. You kind of think he's going to, even if he can implement some level of change. Yeah. What's what's the that's the that's probably the only question on, on which I fall on it is that I feel like whether probably by luck as much as judgment, I feel like they've probably fallen on the right plan in that. It's been said a lot. They've got structural issues at the club. Well, if he's moving upstairs, yeah. that makes some level of sense. He's had success doing that role before. And if they can get a manager that's in line with his thinking, then they seemingly will have sorted their structure out a lot better than it is currently anyway. But it's this spell for this six month. What is he going to be able to do? And then if he does have some level of success, which he's going to have some success because they can get much worse. And there's going to be that new manager bounce and all that other stuff we normally say about a new manager. Yeah. But they're kind of in a spot where they kind of want to do well, but not too well. Because then if they have got Ten Hag or Pochettino penciled in, 
then does he want the job full time? Does he kick up a well, fuss, or do they start thinking, "Oh, do we just give it him forever?" If they give a new manager the job, and Rangnick's done well previously, do the fans then get on the new manager's back as soon as things start turning and go, "Well, get this guy back in. He did a great job." That's the only thing where I could think maybe there could be some issues down the line. Is it worrying for them the fact that not himself, but it's already come out? Look, he's interested in having this job permanently. The, the point was they take an interim who's more than happy to hand over the reins in six months' time. Yeah, and I think that was always the, the odd thing that they seemingly... I, I said before, you, you kind of you fall upon an interim manager because you can't get a manager, surely. You don't actively go out and look for one. Certainly with this much of the season left, either, I thought that was odd. And that just tells me you're not confident of getting your man. And it felt, it felt to me like they kind of did a Spurs without doing a Spurs, where... They put the feelers out for someone like Poch. Thought this might be hard work and might go back in our face. So we don't want to look like we've been rejected. So we're going to go down the interim route. And we never were after him. And we were always going to just go for him in the summer. We weren't going to go for him now. Which is just kind of a cowardly approach, really. Well, he, when he returned to Schalke, he was there for a year and then he left again after reaching what was it, the Champions League final because he said he was burnt out. You get burnt out in, in, in Germany, with all respect, six months at United is going to feel like six years. It could be. that I do think this initial spell is probably going to feel... I don't think it's going to feel quite as intense as people think. In the, people have, Obviously, you said there's been a lot written about him. People have bought into the hype a lot. So I think he's yeah. got a certain amount of credit in the bag already. And these players are probably being looked at like, but you're going to have to fix it up to what he wants rather than the opposite of what Oli had, where it was kind of, you're going to have to prove yourself to the players. There seems to have been a role reversal here where they're like, well, if these players can't match up to what he wants, then he can get rid of them and the club should be looking to get rid. People like, sure. you know, Pogba's probably not going to sign any deal. They should already probably have bombed Martial already. And so things like that. Saying uh, Pogba is already enthused with the idea of Ralph Rangnick after hearing about him from inside football. Um, doesn't want to leave in January, etc., etc. Leave on a free in the summer, then that would be much better for them. No, no respect for Ollie, um inside or outside, it seems. <laughs> but okay. In in terms of initiating it, there's there's a section of people, probably larger than you think, that do seem to believe United now are just going to be with a snap of the fingers, Liverpool. And press with that intensity because look, you've got the guy that taught Jurgen Klopp everything he knows is the story we're being told and so mm. it's going to be that simple essentially you, you tell these players when the other team gets the ball you've got four seconds to get in front of them and that's it and I think for one there's a certain level of laziness to the United players whether they look like they're enthusiastic on paper or not that that was that was going to be my point in terms of I really even say he comes in and he brings in a system and system and it's and he applies it successfully. I don't think these players are the players for that system. Certainly not in the defensive line at all. Like I don't see Fred putting in a shift that's required, oh. and I don't see like if you, you remember the early days. One of the few that will. It's pretty much it's pretty much the only quality he does possess. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah but not on the ball. You've got the energy, but I just don't think he'll do it successfully. I think it'll be a, just a bit more of like running around like a headless chicken. Whether um, yeah, whether he'll but, have the discipline in the position, is, yeah, is a fair, is a fair point. And 
and with if you remember the early days with Liverpool when Klopp took over there until they got Van Dijk, that sort of that cornerstone in defence, I just don't see it, it never it didn't really click from a defensive capacity. So for all the potential pressing capability that they'll have, I think they've got a forward which is focal fo- the focal point is Ronaldo at the moment, who isn't your guy for that system, and you've got a defence which has got cracks in it without playing a more aggressive style that could potentially open up gaps more. I don't, I just don't see how it's going to work. Um, Jack, because yeah, some people have kind of drawn a comparison and said, well, Tuchel kind of got the system of Chelsea going very quickly. But I guess what you'd be able to say there is the intensity in the system that Chelsea play is a lot different to the style of what we're expecting Rangnick to put in. That's a lot more about positional play rather than off the ball and I don't know the right way to put it. Maybe you can explain it better. No, I think you're right because, I mean, Tuchel's system is really born out of, like you said, positional play and keeping the ball. That's his kind of thing. Instead of, we do press from the front when we can, but again, you've got young players that are moldable, like your Mason Mounts. Yeah, Reese James is got Kanto who presses just for his own fun by the looks of it. <laughs> um and then Timo Werner, who again, I mean they're not these star massive names. Like I just can't no matter no matter the manager, I can't see Ronaldo being forced into pressing thirty six. Like they they also don't have the midfield for it. They've got Fred and they've got McTominay, which you're not really seeing them as a gag-impressing kind of centre-mid partnership because they're just so slow and erratic. And then you've got... Gag-impress only works if you've got really athletic centre-backs. They can get you out of trouble because if that press gets beaten, then you are in trouble. Then you are relying just on your centre-backs to really help you out, which is under Frank, which is our main problem. We tried to press from the front. They bypass it quite easily. And then you just have sometimes Rudiger or Christensen just stood there doing nothing. Now, if you're going to tell me that... The oh, you say Rudiger's Harry... name today. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Harry Maguire, um, Lindelof and Eric Bailly are going to be your guys that you're going to depend on to get out of trouble after your midfield two of Fred McTominay have just been beaten in a press. I'm, I'm probably going to say that's not going to end up well for them. I think... Chelsea had very, like I said, moldable players which you could fit into that system quite easily and they were bought, they bought players to fit that system that Frank tried to play it was just kind of perfected by Tuchel of that kind of possession ball Whereas yeah, Chelsea United, were boring yesterday, weren't they? Jeez, um, I mean, we're not I, I, <laughs> I was saying I really know what was going on at most of the time um, but yeah, it was I look at it and I see that United team, if they beat one round of that press, then the whole team is just up for grabs because I don't see anyone getting them out of trouble. I also don't see them buying into that system either. I think you've got too many big names in that squad that Ronaldo's there, he wants to get goals and he wants to win things. He doesn't want to, he isn't there, he's gone there to press. That's just not what Do you know what I think kind of like what TK said, Jack, in that some of what's come out about Rangnick has almost done part of the job in getting these, these United players to buy in because they've created almost a larger-than-life character already before he's even had a chance to speak to the players in yeah, it's funny to buy it? into the system. It is funny because, like, I will 
I've come clean here and said I've never heard of Ralph Ragnarok before this. Before this, I was come up. I mean, I, he was linked with a Chelsea. He was linked with like every job that happened. Yeah, I was only heard of him being linked with jobs, basically, is how yeah. I was. And when he was linked, he was he was linked with the manager's job at Arsenal and he was linked with the manager's job at Spurs, but never really got any further than that. It was the Alan Kirby link, wasn't it? Where he'd be well, sort he, of like fourth or fifth on the list every time, but it was never... Yeah, and um, even then he'd come out before and say he didn't have much of an interest in it. Um, then eventually this one does go through, but... Uh... Let's face it as well, the, I do think people are drawing um, slightly false equivalents with the Tuchel thing as well, when you consider that Chelsea squad's just better than this United one. This United yeah. one is obviously underachieving, it's... Uh, it should be doing better, but it isn't this like unbelievable squad that's going ready to go and win things anyway. We've essentially just acknowledged that and if Varane's not wise, if Varane's not fit, good. they don't have a top quality centre half, and we don't really know what he is at this stage. They've got no middle and midfield, and those are two pretty significant areas. <laughs> yeah. I, I saw them yesterday, obviously in the flesh, and like it was like watching Chelsea be Burnley. It was. I just couldn't believe how bad they were, and then in turn how bad we were at finishing. Like another day that Hudson Loy go goes in in the third minute, and that's a five nil drubbing. But just we kind of stressed ourselves out. You, you feel like they they had to play like that against Chelsea as well. You feel like they had no other alternative. If, if yeah. they come out and try to play them in any way, Chelsea would have battered them. Yeah, just basically hanging on for dear life is the only thing they had. Which obviously for the money spent on that squad is incredible but that's the way it looked to me that, that's exactly how it felt as well it just felt like it was just a matter of time before we scored and it just turned out that when you try and rely on defenders to get your goals constantly or Werner when they crop up in the 96th minute to try and win you that goal you need a striker that is accustomed to putting the ball in the back of the net not a centre back they just like to hit things as hard as they can. If that um, one earlier in the game you hit had gone in, it might be the worst thing that ever happened to him because he, he tries them enough as it is. Imagine if he'd st- had stuck that one in the top corner. I know. <laughs> I know, exactly. And I think from what I saw from that United team, I, th- there was a lot of pressing from Rashford, but he would be pressing completely on his own because of their defensive position where they were just encamped within their own half. You just have all of a sudden Mendy being put under pressure by Rashford and then that's that. And then that was the extent of their pressing. And um, like this is what I'm saying, where the Tuchel system of pressing and ball retention was a, a bit easier to kind of go from a frank style of playing. Yeah, the transition is much easier, isn't it? Exactly. It's just a bit of tweaking, a bit of actual tactical nows. That's a guy that's actually been a coach for a long period of time. To go from sitting at the edge of your own box to trying to press on the halfway line with your centre-backs playing a high line. I just think that's going to be such a transition period. And it was a very good point that you said earlier, Byron, I can't remember who made it, where you're going into the worst period to try and actually implement Klopp, Yeah, things. Klopp said it. Yeah, like how much from, realistic... From experience as well. Yeah, how much realistic is he going to get? You think you've got, mm. you've got two you've got two games, then we've got two... We've got literally four games in the space of, like I think, about two and a half weeks. And then you've got... Boxing Day, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, all this madness. You're not going to be able to settle down until mid-January. And by that point, the whole season could be... It's, 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 it's very interesting. I don't think it's going to take like the, the, the most mammoth task to get them at least scoring more goals. There's certainly the attackers there. 
that mm. if a manager is as class as we're told he is, he should be be able to make some tweaks already to get some movement in and around the ball and get the ball in the back of the net a bit more often than they have been already. I don't think he needs to initiate an entire full pitch press to be able to put the ball in the back of the net with, with that level of talent they have. Well, you listen to him as well. He's, he's clearly an intelligent bloke, so I assume he's going to be pragmatic in his approach to start with. He's not going to go and think, right, I'm going to try and implement all this straight away. He's going to work yeah. with what he's got, you would assume. That's I think it's so interesting, the six, the six months thing, because I, I watched a, a clip of him and he, he, his speeches do make for some great TikToks. I mean, he, he's charmed me. Um, and he says that the idea of what any manager should be able to do is text their players at midnight and say, be at the training ground for 1am, we're going to do an 11v11 match. And the style of system you've implemented, they should be able to play while half asleep. Because at this point, they know that system, that system's within them. And it shouldn't take you then to set them up, take them through this and that, to get them to play that way. Whether it's to the same standard, they should be able to play that style of football because it's now part of them. Six months, that, that's, what, that's what you talk about if you're selling a project. He's, he's not choosing yeah, that, but that's the kind of talk that Arteta's saying, isn't it? Where he's saying it takes some time to get this philosophy in the players so they can do it and then it's instinctual for them. By the time he's he's doing that, and you assume they're going to pick a manager with a similar playing style, but I don't, it's 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 a big job. You you've got to wonder if if he appreciates the size of the job that it is, or whether he just has that level of backing for himself. I think he probably does, and he's I said he's he can kind of be flexible with it as well, can't he? In terms of if he does think, Christ, this is more of a project than I thought. Get me upstairs, ace up. You can. You know, from his point of view, he's probably done the right thing with the six-month contract. Yeah, so long as they don't then go a completely different direction. And that's where it will be interesting to see what level of power he has. And, and let's face it, I was about to say, underneath the, the Roy Keane character thing, yeah. was the, the thing that is going to dog whoever has it, is that they do have Ronaldo now. And they are going to have to manipulate some sort of system because apparently he can't be dropped. That's a sin, apparently. So that's not allowed. So they're going to have to manipulate a system where the other players are doing this. Because he, I think, physically can't press. He hasn't done it for so long that he wouldn't, he wouldn't be able to anyway. So they're going to have to come up with something to get the best out of him. Seven-year-old. No, no, exactly, exactly. And he's, I said earlier, but people are pointing out to the success he had in Madrid and he wasn't pressing there, but the quality he had around him and that they could cater for him being a bit of a passenger. At United, you don't have that. So you, you can't just have someone just being a passenger in the current system they've got. No, I think the, what we'll see at the start is a lot of what's going to be credited to training and system is just going to be down to players willing to risk a bit more because... Trying for the new manager. Yeah, yeah and the fact <laughs> they have to, they, they got away with it with Oli. I mean, yeah, the same players that were letting him down were were posting apologies on Instagram as, uh, two hours later. They were letting him down and then going to the fans and saying it's not his fault. It's, you, you had ninety minutes to prove that. Before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you'd imagine uh, he, he he carries a certain level of authority with him, doesn't he? Where before he's even had a word with them, they're not going to be calling him Ralph. I'm pretty confident of that. They they they're not going to be assuming they can coast. And some of these players, 
I mean, you look at someone like Donny, he's got an extra extra bit of pep in his step, isn't he? Because he's going to say, well, hang on a minute. The, 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 the last guy didn't like me. I need to make sure the new one does. Yeah, it's a great opportunity for him, isn't it? He's, you think he probably should have been getting a start as an there anyway. Now, yeah. they should, on paper, fit in. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see. It's just a shame. If we could see this experiment taking place at, at someone else, I mean, <laughs> I don't particularly like them, but say we could have seen this experiment taking place at like Everton, then we may have all been a bit more interested. This time, uh, I don't think any of us, other, other than maybe Alex, um, are <laughs> wishing anything but failure upon them. No, I think I uh, wish and failure. I just I think the whole thing is a scramble by United to make it look like they are professional and they have a clue what like they they've got a plan. I like the way that they've done it. It's it like they can't they they almost can't be they they've done it in a way to try and negate the ability for fans to say that they haven't been professional about the process. They haven't just got in a caretaker and are going to be slated for not finding somebody strong and somebody who's decent to take on the job straight away. And and they're not going to be slated for, like, you know, not just getting in who they want straight away. I don't think the managers that they wanted or people thought they would have wanted were available and they did not have the pulling power to get them in. I genuinely think if you, at the very, very start of this process from the day that Ollie was sacked, I don't think... He is a name on anyone's list at all, anywhere. I don't think anybody would put his put his name on a list. But the moment that somebody did at United, everybody started talking about him. I just but don't. He was on all the lists, just he wasn't getting the job. I I feel I, like I, no, but I think if you ask the ask the average United fan, like you know, your mate at work, none of them name him at all. At the start of the process, no, none no, of them name him. Naming an interim is pretty difficult. If you were just saying pick a manager, I'd imagine it'd be a lot easier, but interim's a different kettle of fish. Yeah, but that, that's that's my point as well. It's it's the fact that it, regardless of whether it's... It, it, the point. My point as well is that it's like you can't... They never really should have been going for an interim manager, really, at all. I don't think there's any excuse for it. I think this whole charade is a smokescreen to hide the fact that they have not been professional enough, organised enough, and had enough drive to just go and get the guy that they wanted. Which Yeah, because even the if sound- this, the, the timing of Ollie Sack, if this had all happened prior to the international break, whatever, you could say, well, they had their sort of ducks lined up. But the fact that this hasn't happened, it's only seemingly happened off the back of a demolition from Watford, leads you to think there isn't had this has all been kind of foot up on the cuff, doesn't it? Really? And I, I don't know about you though as well, but I kind of feel like, well, like some clubs, maybe uh, rumours get out about them. I kind of feel like United get led by the rumours. So like they'll put out like, so for example, like Brendan Rodgers' name was getting touted for a bit. I feel like they kind of feel for, what do the fans think? Oh, the fans don't like that. All right, we won't go for that one. I don't know. They're just so badly run that you feel that they could put things out like that get a feel for it and go from that just because they're seemingly like paralysed by fear. They don't have a football guy at the top, do they? No, what's so, what's, uh, what's Fletcher doing? What's his job, job supposed to be? Well, he was down on the touchline again on uh, Sunday. 
Because I remember when they first got it, they were like, right, Woodward's going to do the commercial and Flax so is going to be the football guy, which I thought, from, again, no experience. Same, but. He's got the same job as Edu, uh, Arsenal technical director. Yeah, that, that tells me a lot, to be honest. Neither very well equipped. Um, no. Edu had, Edu had at least done the job previously before for yeah. national side, but... Um, there we go. I mean, by the time we do this next week, um, United would have played, um, what, two games? So it'll be interesting to see. But And if um, they've not pressed, we'll say it's been a total failure. Well, if they beat an Arsenal, I just won't be very happy in general. So I won't worry about the pressing at all. We can't really lose them from the, from the pod then. One way or another, we'll be happy. We could lose them one at the weekend and they might be a bit, a bit chirpier. But... Um, We've had three more points in the bag this weekend. Uh, another weekend of no points for Spurs, we should probably mention. Um, <laughs> but there we go. We still have a little bit of boxing to cover before my headphones die and we call it a night. So unless um, Alex and Jack watched uh, Tiafimo Lopez against George Cambosis on uh, Saturday night, then we'll bid them farewell. Yeah. See you later, boys. Cheers. Adios. Say gents. Sticking around here, is it? There you go. Um, okay, so there we go. Won't be too long, but upset of the year. Um, it's being tagged out on Saturday night. George Cambosis Jr. toppling Tiafimo Lopez to get the uh, unified lightweight title. Um, I don't know about you. I, I was looking forward to the fight, but more so just because like it was something that was on. There was no UFC on. Um, there was literally nothing else rivaling it, so I was just looking forward to watching something. Got back. I feel like they cashed in on that a bit as well. This got more attention than I thought it probably was yeah. going to get, and yeah, it might be because of what you've just said there—the lack of other things on at the time. I got back from the football just knackered. I mean, being up before twelve on a Saturday was new to me, let alone being up at seven a.m. Got back and I was like battling to keep my eyes open. Fell asleep, set an alarm for one when the. Uh, build-up started, but there was nothing much on the undercard to keep me going. So I kept drifting off, waking back up, but by the time the main fight was there, I was making sure I was up to see it. Got up, had a little walk around. The whole build-up, you were just seeing Tiafimo say, I'm going to come out there and knock him out in the first round. I'm going to come out there mean intentions. And then fair play, <laughs> he yeah. actually did come out like that. <laughs> yeah, very much his own and start of his own undoing, wasn't it, really? It was enough to make you sit up, though, wasn't it? The way they were exchanging in the first round. Like, Cambosis was taking heavy shots. He didn't look scared. He had eyes wide open, firing back. He was just all in. Like it, it was fun just right from the jump. Yeah, for sure. My sort of lack of enthusiasm going into the fight was more that I was giving him more hope than a lot of people because people were picking the round, weren't they? They were just going, well, look, yeah. Tia's just going to steamroll him. And I thought, from seeing him against Salby and, and certainly... He talks he talks a good game. You know, I said if I didn't know anything prior yeah. going in in the week, I'd have fully believed him. But I just thought because Lopez can bang a bit and he's shown he can box it against Loma, that I thought he's got enough options that he can deal with him either side, either way. He can he can Cambos is hittable so he can get him out of there, or if he does need to get on his butt and box a bit more, he can do that. So I thought Cambos would be the, the classic mandatory challenger. It's a real good fight, yeah. but not yeah, it doesn't threaten him. That goes out the window as soon as he puts him down in the first round. I didn't think he'd be that able to do brilliant. that. That was a hell of a right hand as well. Yeah. Off the, I know it was off the temple, but the, the noise it made was phenomenal. 
Yeah, and then even like he, he didn't kind of show any signs of going away. I got I got a message um, in the third round saying, "How are you scoring this so far?" And I went, "I'm pretty sure um, I've got it two one tail at this point." But I also I wasn't really scoring it because I didn't really think we'd need to. Like I didn't see this as being a fight that I was going to need to worry about a scorecard at the end of it. Yeah, yeah. And then the more it was going on, the more you kind of got some hope. <laughs> it was those middle you, rounds you where you were like, hang on, for. this is getting away from me. Yeah, yeah. I had a couple of texts in the week, and like you said, there was there was more interest in it than um, perhaps we expected. I had a couple of messages saying, well, who are you cheering for this weekend? I said, I'm not really cheering for anyone. I'd like to see an upset. And if Tiafimo wins, it kind of, he's a, he's a guy that you're going to tune in and see. There's some big fights out there, so they mm. stay alive. So I was kind of just tuning in, happy for whatever happened, and I was more than happy with the result. Yeah, and I know it's been said a thousand times, but I am glad there wasn't a robbery because people would have gone that, I was well, you know, it. yeah, for sure. And and I think people would have gone, well, he's changed his life anyway, hasn't he? He's put on, he can come again, whatever. That's really not the point because he no. won tonight. And that's, those moments that you get are there, they can't be replicated. So I'm glad they didn't. Maybe Tia needed. Needed this a little bit as well, yeah. because uh, he certainly seemed like he'd been drinking the Kool-Aid, didn't he? Well, when he knocks down um, Cambosis in, what was it? the Round 10. Yeah. I thought I he was, was done at that point. He, he looked at it like he was, his legs looked as heavy as I've ever seen legs be. He was stumbling like he was hunched forward for like the rest of the round. It just looked like he just needed The body to language looked over. like a guy was spent, didn't it? Yeah, for yeah. sure. The, the ability to come back from that, I think, is as as impressive as the rest of the fight in itself. The fact that he comes back and wins round 11 is unbelievable because yeah. he, like you said, looks absolutely spent. Yeah, so what um, Dan Raphael gave round 11 to Teofimo Lopez, like, aside from um, like winning the opening round with a knockdown, it was one of his more conclusive rounds, the 11th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He had, he had some of those middle ones where they were clearly his just on. He yeah. was doing more. But that was, in fact, I thought you could have probably argued the 12th I thought Cambosis probably had it. I, I, I thought he you, won the. I thought Cambosis won the twelfth as well. I, I thought he did, but you could have swayed me. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have argued too much if you get to the twelfth. I thought it was a, close enough in it, but the eleventh was emphatic. I can't make a case for anything but a Cambosis round, which, considering the round he was coming off, is just unbelievable. It's good like that as well when you do get to the interviews after, and they they make you pleased that you've got to see them do it. He had the perfect amounts of humility. Um, like big talk to set himself up for the future. Um, he just, I, I don't think he could have said anything better. He was trying to give Teo credit and he, he wasn't letting him, he then ruined it for himself. Sure, yeah. The main thing I, I, the main thing I didn't like um, was that the second. I think your headphones are gone, mate. Cut off um, Cambodia. Yes. You cut out then, by the way. Do you know? I can hear you. Can you hear yeah. me? Yeah, I put the, the I knew one headphone died, and I had to guess which one which one it was. Uh. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I said um, the thing. The only thing that really annoyed me was um, when uh, Tiafimo came over. Mannix just cut Cambosa straight off and just gave the mic straight to him. Like it's the champ's moment. You, you let him finish talking, and then you bring Tiafimo in after. Yeah, you, you are right. I, listen, I I don't need an excuse to go in on Mannix. Um, 
I don't think Tia gave him an awful lot of choice in it. I think he did kind of take over. And again, that was a horrendous look from him. And, and if he's going to do it, you hope there's someone in this corner who can maybe rule him in enough to stop him doing it in that, that moment. That definitely wasn't happening. <laughs> and that, yeah, and that's it, isn't it? And that, again, speaks volumes about that camp, doesn't it? Well, Cambosis was trying to give him credit and he was cutting him off. Yeah. Yeah, the, the I won the fight thing is always tricky in that scenario. Then the I won the fight 10 rounds to two is yeah, particularly yeah. tricky. The um, I won the fight thing, you couldn't argue with him believing that. It was a close fight in the end. Um, I yeah, think he, I didn't win him by two, um, Cambosis. Yeah, he showed his hand, didn't he, when he said, I won 10 rounds to two. You're like, well, I can't take anything you take seriously then at this point. Because if you say, I thought I, I edged it, I'm the champ. I deserve the benefit of the doubt or whatever. Don't always like that school of thought, but I can see that you might think it. The what he was coming out with was you kind of the, the thing with him and his dad. You kind of always felt it was a little bit like, and I know the comparison has been drawn a lot, but with Danny Garcia and his dad, yeah, you always felt well. The fight it does seem the more level-headed, composed guy, and the dad can be the hype man if he wants, but you feel like he knows just about enough in terms of what to take on board from his dad and what to just leave. Whereas this felt like he'd just let his dad basically infect him in a way. Well, his, his dad after said, um, I knew we made a mistake coming to the zone. We should have stayed at top rank. This wouldn't have happened over there. Whether you're inferring that you would have got some home cooking there or you're inferring that there was something dodgy going on in, from the zone, which definitely wasn't the case. They gave him more than a fair shake. Let me re- reassure you, sir. Match room, we'll give you some home cooking if you want some home cooking. <laughs> Did you, do you see... That WC that WBC belt has a top rank badge on it. Christ, does it? Yeah, and where they have the like fighters' faces, there's a top rank one on there. That's a bit weird. So maybe he was right saying we should have stuck with top rank. But if top rank wanted to make the fight, then they would they would have bid for it when it ended up going through to the zone in the end. Like they they clearly weren't too fussed with picking it up. So no, no, exactly, exactly. Great fight though, and in in the end, like he called out he called out Devin Haney and said, "Why couldn't Devin Haney come over and fight me in Australia?" That's mm. what a lot of people say. Oh, Devin Haney's uh, not going to do that. So go and take a voluntary, and then come back here and fight Devin Haney. Devin Haney's not earned the right to be picking and choosing what he does anyway. I thought he was embarrassing himself on uh, Saturday night. It's all well and good us laughing at Tiafimo. We're, we're not we're not boxers. Devin Haney was talking like he's the one that beat Tiafimo. Oh, I knew it was going to happen. I tried to tell all of you that he's not that good. His biggest win is against a shot Linares, who's just rocked him in, in, in winning that fight. And he's talking trash when both guys have a better resume than him now. He should, if he gets offered the chance to go to Australia and fight Cambosis, he should jump at the chance. Cambosis has just come over to New York and beating Tiafimo, why not go over there, 60,000 seat stadium or whatever it'll be, and face him. You can't complain. After what Hearn's been dishing out about Charlo this week and Andrade, if he gets offered that Cambosis fight over in Australia and he turns it down, someone needs to play some of those interviews back to him, I think. Yeah, especially with Hearn going, oh, what's happening to this sport? What is it? These aren't yeah. or something like that. Well. That's a very interesting take for you to be coming out with, Eddie. But yeah, I've, I thought the last thing from some of these fighters in general was embarrassing as you said as you touched on Haney but all of them you should have all been looking at this as well this is an opportunity missed on my part I should have been getting in with Tio if that's the case 
I think Josh Taylor should have been as good as anyone because they were trying to tee that that fight up all week. Yeah, yeah, firmly agree. Yeah, the, the the Australian fight fans as well. They look great, especially when you see the UFC go over there. They they sell it out every single time. Well, that's a, a, another case of um, scarcity of product, isn't it? You see, yeah. When you do get a big event, they are going to get behind you. You know, because I was questioning it when people were saying, "Oh, Cambosis is now going to be a huge star in Australia." Also. I don't know that. Only on the basis, I don't know how big he is in Australia. I don't, you know, just because he's Australian and now won world titles, I don't know that that's going to make him an overnight star. We've seen it happen with uh, over here. You know, it's, Josh Taylor is instantly going to sell out a stadium, for example. He's an undisputed champion. Uh, but but that's exactly it, isn't it? Like you said, the UFC events going over there. It's uh, yeah, when they don't when you don't get them too often, you will get behind the guy. And, and I did see a lot of it on Twitter from Aussies who were all were cheering on Cambosis as well. Well, um, you think, or at least as far as we can tell, that MMA seems to be bigger over there. When you look at the quality of fighters coming out of there, there's there's far there's far better MMA fighters coming out of there than there are boxers. Um, and you can see, like um, Volk, he can walk down the street fine, as as far as you can tell from his social media. I remember um, Jack, that's been on the podcast a few times. Um, being in um, a casino in uh, New Zealand, I think it was, and Robert Whitaker just being in there watching the fights. <laughs> so I, I, cool. I, I think with kind of the, the size of the star there, yeah, maybe it'll be interesting to see. I, I do think when someone has an achievement like that, it's certainly going to be ramped up. And I think it would definitely pack out and they're going to back their own. So if they're going to do it, yeah, do it now. If, if if they're packing stadiums out for Jeff Horn, they can pack it out for George Cambosis Jr. Yeah, absolutely. And then they had like like Anthony Mundine was doing similar things for them prior to that as well. So they do have you know some level of uh, of history of it as well. Yeah, and then just just before um, we uh, call it a night, um, Ame Khan Cal Brook um, was confirmed today. Uh, 149 pounds is uh, the weight. Um, Sky box office. What are your thoughts? I don't hate it as much as some people do. Apparently, <laughs> looking online, um, I care about it less than I thought I would, to be honest. Yeah, I um, yeah, I, I don't, you know, don't have the level of attachment to it. I would have had once upon a time for sure. But uh, I think that on the basis of a couple of things, I think by the time it comes around, I think more people will be watching it than even will admit to themselves. I think it's kind of almost feels a bit dirty to admit. You're going to watch it, but you will. About to two years, one cup again, aren't we? Um, and uh, I think the fact that we've seen a decline in both of them means I'm not as off-put by it. If we'd just seen one of them decline and one of them staying at the right level, I'd go, well, why the hell do we need to see this? But there is an element of, we don't, really don't know what either of these got left. As a result, I don't mind it so much. Yeah, Khan in the press conference did bring up that for all that said about his chin, Brooks just been knocked out by a jab. <laughs> I heard he had a bit. Of, he had good performance in the presser actually, Khan today. So I'll, maybe I'll have to go watch up by him. It started just as I was finishing my lunch because I saw the um, quotes on Twitter start popping back up. Just so I was logging back on. Yeah, I'm pretty similar. Um, definitely watch it. Um, did text you? I wasn't sure whether you fancy going to it. I don't know how how I feel about it. To be honest. Yeah, like Manchester did charm me a bit more. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. One hundred and forty-nine pounds. I mean, 
feels like even that might be a stretch for Cal. Looking at this, I only saw one picture yeah. of him today, but it's like he'll do well to get down. Yeah, I guess I just don't know how much I buy it anymore. Khan, a couple of a couple of years back, I was still convincing myself that he could he could beat Manny if they fought. Um, then we were going into fights with uh, Billy Dib and still open. <laughs> he doesn't catch him on the chin. It's it's gonna it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a rough watch. I, I guess I I just fancy um, there's more chance of Brooke catching him on the chin than there is Khan outboxing him for twelve rounds. So I, I I'm at that stage where. I kind of feel the result is inevitable and that's just so I'm not really interested in seeing that because it's not the result I want. Yeah, it's essentially you're you're unhappy that Brooke's gonna win this. <laughs> yeah. And I, I also happen to agree. I think I saw I watched I know it's it's very difficult because Crawford is another level, but watching Khan against Crawford, I thought he's showing all the signs of someone who is completely done. I thought his balance was off. Even Obviously, the way he went out the fight. <laughs> Yeah, obviously, you know, there's very much questions. Did he want to be there that night? Does he want to be there this night? Or is it literally a payday, which does appear to be a payday for both of them? But let's face it, it's, it's always been a bigger fight for Brooke anyway, hasn't it? It's kind of, yeah. he's the Everton to the Liverpool in this derby. Like, it means more to him than it does to the others. Not that they don't want to both win, but it's got more on the line for one of them than the other. Yeah, and I, I think similar. I, I would have probably bet against Khan against after the core fight against almost anyone, but he did end up in with Billy Dibbs, so you really can't tell me yeah. anything about that one. <laughs> and then we haven't seen him since, which again, oh. that inactivity, I think Brooks only been out a year again, coming off a, we've seen he's declined as well, but again, it was against Crawford, so that unknown element of what Eva's got left is does add a freak show element to it, does keep me interested, but I do agree with you. I, at the minute, I would need to be convinced otherwise than a, a Brooke KO. I think that's that seems to be what would yeah. be on the cards for me. Good start to the year for boxer. Shame it's on pay per view with Eubank Williams and then uh, Calm Brooke. But I guess did you see by the way the the thing for Hearn's been slating this. I saw it put on him in an interview recently. How many buys do you think he does? And he said about three hundred thousand to four hundred thousand. Well, that's a good solid pay per view for some of these. He'd be taking that to the bank. Yeah, he's been talking down on it, saying no one. So, <laughs> so about four hundred thousand baht is it twenty pound a pot? That's a well, decent money spin. He'd take that he every day of the week. It's not a fight that he would personally want to put on, but he does also. He's begging for Conor Ben to face Amir Khan. So, yeah, he's he's twerking for the Conor Ben one. Yeah, there you go. Um, I guess we'll have more time to get into that fight um, before it does happen. So mm. uh, we'll see it unfold before then. So. Thank you again for listening to another edition of the Spitballing Pod. Movie Madness this week is Heat Against Baby Driver. Not sure if you've seen Baby Driver. Uh, I believe I have. Keenan yeah, has yeah. cancelled plans to go to Worcester for a handbag because he says he wants to do Heat Justice. That's excellent. Yeah. He's yeah, actually he... uh, hosting the episode. So he's, he's, he's doing all the prep and everything. Oh, nice. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I'd give Heat a nod on that one for me. Yeah, I think I'm going to watch that again tonight due to the fact it's three hours long. So, <laughs> see how we go. I've only seen it once before. But there we go. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back. Goodbye.